bananas. All right, we are back for episode three of Chewing the Fats. I am Johnny, as you know. I have my first female guest host this week. Her name is Rachel Kogan. Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. Oh, a little bit about myself. Mm. That's uh, that's a large question for a little answer. <laughs> Where to start? Well, I'm 32 years old. I'm from Ottawa originally. I moved to Toronto eight and a half years ago and been working in advertising. I was in finance for a bit, service industry, settled back into advertising. I'm single. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all of you listening, I'm single. My, I'm just kidding. My Instagram handle will be at the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> Other than that, I danced growing up, went to an arts high school, but also played sports and just living the life during quarantine. The jill of all trades. Basically, um, what is it? The the saying where you can know know a little bit about a lot Yeah. and uh, do a lot not very well. Yes, yeah, it's, it's jack of all trades, master of none. Yes, exactly. But we can jill, jack, Jill of all, whatever, whatever you identify as yep. of all trades. Master of none. Yeah. And I do believe that you've been dabbling in stand-up comedy as well. I have. I've just, it's a hard scene to break into over the internet right now mm-hmm. uh, with everything going on. The open mics are a little more Zoom oriented. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just dabbling, have some really good bits about my life. I quarantined with my family for two and a half months. Jeez. That included my grandparents <laughs> and my parents and then my sister and her boyfriend, seven in the house. So material has just been flowing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've been taking some courses and really looking forward to see how it turns out. Fantastic. Well, I wish you the best of luck because I know that you're a very funny lady. And, Thank you. Uh, I try. You have plenty of material to work on. Um, today is going to be, I love that I have my first female guest because today is going to be some sexual topics, some emotional topics, stuff that will be good to bounce off of a female voice and a female mentality. So. We're going to jump right into it. Um, I'm sure that most of you out there are familiar with dating apps. I know that myself and Rachel are quite familiar with dating apps. But even after all my experience, there are some apps that I just was not aware of existing. So we're going to talk about some some of those and the differences between them, what I think the end goals are. And um, we're going to share a couple of stories and some experiences before we move on. So let's start with talking about Tinder. Woof, Tinder. So I was one of the original on Tinder, I want to say, six, seven years ago. I think when it kind of broke, I I was the original. I was just out of my first real relationship in Toronto. I think it was around 2013. And it was way back. And I, it was before Tinder got a little grimy. Now Tinder Mm -hmm. has this grimy kind of reputation. Everyone's transferred over to other apps, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll cover. Um, I actually made a t-shirt that said, I swiped you left, bro. And that was my Tinder profile picture. That was your profile pic? You have no idea how many people loved it. Tinder actually posted it on their Instagram, which is the only moment of fame I've had. (laughs) So far. So far. So far. far. Um, And yeah, it it was that first foray into the swiping game. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's funny that you brought up how Tinder has become grimy. And I mean, I agree with you. And my biggest issue with Tinder is that I sincerely don't believe that people are using Tinder anymore to make connections or to find dates. I mean, every Tinder profile that you come across, whether it's male or whether it's female, is they have their Instagram attached or they have their Snapchat Snapchat attached. And it's just because they want to gain their following. They want to build their social media followers. It's because, I mean, I've had a few experiences where I've quote unquote technically matched with a potential partner 
and reached out and there's just been no response. It's the, oh, you followed me on Instagram, great, thanks. And that's that's where the fuck stops, that's where it ends. So I mean, grimy is, yeah, one thing because I mean, there's some pieces of shit out there, but I really think that that's one of the dating apps that is just not being used for dating anymore. I think it's turned into a hookup app. Um, I actually don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I haven't gone back to it in a long time because I felt it was very, hookup-y and a lot of my friends that use it actually just switch their location when they're traveling. Yeah, they want yeah, to make oh, yeah. connections before they go. Yeah, of course. Friends are like going to on vacation. They're like, oh, I've already connected with like X amount of people down there. I'm like, mm -hmm. cool, 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 cool. Um, at least you know what you want. Yeah. I think the whole, because I know you can switch locations and I mean, you can do it so if you're going to go vacation somewhere. And I mean, there's a small percentage of people that will use that feature um, as an opportunity, okay, cool. I know someone in Colombia where I'm going to be vacationing with the guys. So whether it be for a sexual hookup or whether it be, okay, cool, we've got a tour guide. Yeah, I've got someone who can give me the lowdown on what parts, what parts of the city to avoid, what restaurants we have to go to, all that kind of stuff. I think that's a positive aspect of it. I just don't think it's being used for that anymore. And Tinder, I think you're right, is one of the ones that's the most guilty for either hooking up or validation. Mm -hmm. Which I'm wondering if, if you know, you have let's say a woman or a man on there who is looking for love, is looking for a connection, is looking for that real thing. It's it's kind of like the this you're going into shark territory with it. Yeah, I think you're also really behind the times because that's not what Tinder is for. And, and it's, 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 it's like, if you're a woman and you're a little naive on how Tinder runs now, let's say, just for example, a woman, she gets on there and then she gets upset because a guy is getting straight to the point, like, yeah. hey, do you wanna come over, watch a movie, do the this, the that, the other, on top yeah. of each other. You, you set yourself up for that one. I, well, yeah, I think that's essentially that's the wrong app being used yeah. for. I mean, if you know, you're better off using something like, let's say, Hinge or Bumble. And I mean, yeah. Bumble is that app where when you match with when you match with a female, it's the whole thing for Bumble is the girl has to talk first. Yes, you know, and you then, know that, right? Yes, yeah. So it's essentially, hours. you match. You have 24 hours when you match with someone to talk to them and start a conversation before the match disappears. And I think that was originally designed to prevent people from just trying to gather like likes or mm -hmm. matches and build their social media platform. I think Bumble also is a huge hookup app now. That's what it's become too. Just because really? you've got that smaller window, you got that 24 hours to get that first message in and then it's okay, cool. Let's meet, let's connect. We have each other on social media, whether that follow or that mutual follow turns into something, in my experience, generally it's it's a little more to the point. Like I haven't had many dates from Bumble, like actually going out to restaurants and going for drinks. It's been more straight to the point, in my experiences in Bumble anyways. I thought Bumble, when they, you know, their marketing behind it was very much the um, empowering women to instigate the conversations. Yes, building and confidence. And building confidence. And honestly, that for everyone I know, every female friend I have that's single that was on Bumble back in the day, I, you know, we've all kind of transitioned from yeah. here and there to the other ones. Coming up with that opening line became more full of, like it was, I was so anxious mm -hmm. for that perfect opening line and pressure because the worst thing that ever happened on Bumble was you opened up with a line and then the guy never replied. Yeah. The guy never replied. You're like, well, I just took a leap of faith. Yeah. I, I was confident and I, I'm just, just pulling the rug out. Why did you match me? me? Why did you Why match did you me? Match me? And, and so that created this whole spiral of, I'm empowered, I'm gonna do it, I'm feeling mighty and high, and then yeah. now I'm just cut down. Yeah. And it, it, it's like that rhythm of of 
good, bad, good, bad. And you just build that anxiety in dating. It's it's that shitty side. Can I swear? Absolutely. Please. Great. This is her first time on the show, so she doesn't, she's not aware of our audience yet. Yes, you can fucking swear. <laughs> Great. It's that shitty side of dating where, you know, you take that leap of faith, but what are you leaping into? Yeah. And so it's interesting. They're, they're BFFs. I have a lot of girlfriends who have made a lot of friends on Bumble. Yeah. I've, I've seen that part of it, especially because there's Bumble's that app where you can, there's Bumble business. Yeah. And then there's, there's, is there a third Bumble? I think BFF. Yeah. People, newcomers Bumble, Bumble see, friends or whatever, yeah. it, which is great, especially for a lot of people geared towards the women. A lot of women who don't necessarily normally have the confidence mm-hmm. to instigate a conversation. Ideally, the person who you are trying to connect with will respond because they have 24 hours. But I mean, that's another example of people building up their confidence and then just getting left, left, it's like getting left on red. Shattered. Yeah. It, it is worse than getting left on red because yeah. you are intentionally there. Like, I think it would have been more flattering just for a fraction of a second if they even just wanted to hook up. Yeah. At least being honest. Well, at least be at least communicate. At and least that's, be that's honest. the whole point of these of these social dating platforms. Yeah. Um, Another one. It when you're not well, it, exactly. Instead of leaving it, because I have so many people that have, you know, oh, I, I, oh, I never checked this thing. I haven't used it in forever, and it's like, okay, well, then just if you've met someone, or if, yeah. you, if you're not interested, then turn it off or delete it if you don't fucking need it, because people are still looking for connections. If you're not, then just don't present yourself as looking for a connection. It's very easy to delete an app or to put yourself on silent mode or ghost mode or whatever the hell it is. What I do think an app that's doing a better job of it is I know a lot of people are using it is Hinge. Mm-hmm. And Hinge, we talked a little bit about um, before we started recording, communicating and presenting yourself and spreading your energy over too many sources on social media and these dating apps. Hinge kind of gives you a little bit more of a look into what the person is offering in terms of, you know, the picture has a little quotation with it and it gives you a little bit of a backstory and you can do funny captions and it's not necessarily this is just my visual appeal you get a little bit more substance with hinge you think so i in my experience what like what is so what do you have to say so i think so but you can also tell what's been the most contrived i find when you have more layers to the apps sometimes you get the real you lose the authenticity of it it's not just a hey this is me like i wish it was a one photo app Mm -hmm. i wish it was like maybe one photo of scenic, one photo of thing, and then you had categories. Similar when Plenty of Fish was around. It was like, what do you well, like to Plenty do? Plenty of Fish. Oh, was, you remember oh those? God. Back in the days when you used to get the copy-paste messages yeah, from the people over yeah. and over again? And you're like, buddy, you hit me up last week. Yeah, same I month. forgot about Plenty of Fish. Yeah. That, was, that, that was like one of the original but dating you had sites. a survey. You kind of knew these things. I find when you have the moment of the caption, when I was on Hinge, I was like, oh, this has to be clever. Yeah. This has to be smart. Okay, fair. I guess there's the pressure. That, I the mean, pressure. That is the pressure to be that. But I do understand it is a deeper one. And I find a lot of people on Hinge, are they, the intentions are more similar to, everyone's in the similar intention realm. Yeah, and I mean, I've talked to one of my buddies is a, is a computer nerd. He's, he under, like, understands algorithms and stuff like that. And Hinge is one of those apps that once you start swiping on people or liking people, it will start to understand the type of people that you're going for. Oh. And they will only show you those types of people. So that let's say sense. you like taller women with dark hair. All of a sudden, four or five profiles that are being presented to you are taller women with dark hair. And it's just, it shows you what you're liking. It kind of, it almost does the work for you. And my issue with, you said you'd like, if it was a one picture app, my issue with that is that all the apps that I see or all the profiles that I see, no matter what platform it is, is if it's one picture, generally 
if unless the woman is super confident with her body, it's it's chin up. It's just her face, which is fine, yeah. but that's a whole other realm of fucking catfishing. That is a realm of catfishing. You're right. Um, that makes sense on the algorithm. I just want to touch on that for a second. So I'm like, whoa, I must really like men with long hair. That's long hair. Yeah. Long hair. Short hair. Bye. Long yeah. hair. Long, I love it. Imagine there was an app where it was solely based on your description and your interests, your similar so interests. No picture. No picture. And once you connect, you have only the opportunity to send a photo that has to be taken in the app. It'll result in a thousand inappropriate photos. But I mean, at the same time, you're going to get something a little more raw. And then you can have that conversation where you're connecting on the similarities yeah. first. And then you can follow up on the more superficial exterior stuff, which is fair. Yeah. You know, you're attracted to what you're attracted to. But at least you've built like this moment of, you know what, let's build this foundation. We have similar interests. Send me the photo in the app. Yeah. To see if the visual matches yeah. the emotional it's connection. Filter free. I think that's a great idea. I think the only problem with that is that that is for the very small percentage of people that use these dating apps for genuine connections. Yeah. Because most of it, as you know, is for hookups or for validation or like, look how pretty I am or look how hot I am or like, look how jacked I am. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, cool. We matched. I got my validation. I don't actually really want anything. I just wanted you to acknowledge that you think that I'm hot. Which is the problem with most of these dating apps. I know, and there's so much variety too. Like my biggest qualm when I was really into the apps and trying to meet people, and I, I was out of the mentality of like focusing my energy and mm -hmm. I would talk to a few people and the one that I jived with the most, I would really keep connecting with, we'd get off app. Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote this whole bit in one of my sets about new age of dating and digital. It's no, cause you can't meet up but we can get into that in a bit about how the, the basis of change, like mm -hmm. exchanging a phone number is technically yeah. first base now yep. when you're outside of that, yeah. that app environment. And um, the, the big thing was, I was always like, are, are you trying to meet someone better than me? Like, am I competing right now? Yeah. I felt like in a contest and I'm like, I don't want to always be on. I want to be real. Yeah. And it's like, what are men comparing me to? Or, uh, you know, I, I, who are they comparing? Who me are to? they comparing me to? Which you know, no, no, there's nothing wrong with the other women in in, in role. We're all in the same boat, mm -hmm. and but it's like I don't want to constantly be compared. And then if you're in a relationship with this person, there's so much out there still, but they're so hyper connected to it that they don't actually realize that maybe this is what they want. Yeah, they think they always want something more or something yeah. different, and then that's why you get. I took a four year hiatus from the apps, yeah. and when I came back, it was all the same men. I was really? like, what's up, bros? Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Did they just not delete the apps? Or they've just no, no. been, they've just been back recycling, the cycle, back cycling in the cycle, like not connected. Cause I would erase it and delete it completely. Yeah. And then back in the cycle. And I was like, oh, there's, you know, Joe Schmo from back in the day. This guy asked me out once. I can't believe he's still on here. And it made me realize maybe that's the type of person that doesn't know what they want. Yeah. And they're always eternally going to be looking for it. Well, they're always, like we talked about before we recorded, people are always looking for the bigger, better deal. Yeah. Like that's sort of like, okay, cool. I'll talk it? to this person, but what if this person is better? Or what if this person is better in bed? Or what if this person is funnier? What if this person, you know, has a better relationship with their family so I can see them in the long term? I miss the days where when like this is going way back this is going like 20 years back where if you were going on a date with someone you liked you would chances are you had met them in public mm -hmm. and you got their phone number and then okay cool we're gonna go see this movie at seven o'clock meet me in front of the theater because there was barely fucking cell phones and we have to connect we have to connect and I, i'm not sitting there even just waiting for you to arrive on my phone swiping other girls you're focused yeah you're 100 invested into this mm -hmm 
into this upcoming encounter. Whether or not it goes well, you don't fucking know. It's a first date. Whether or not it goes well, you have no idea. But all of your focus and all your energy is on that one individual. And their bomb outfit. Like yeah. that is, you know, you got ready for a date. You were very excited. Yeah. You know, it wasn't you know, sending photos to your friends. Do I wear this? Do I wear that? It was yeah. that, that sheer and really raw excitement. Yeah. And the phone call, you know, the landline phone yeah, call. Yeah, the landline phone call. You know, that's yeah. that was almost like the last era of courting. Yeah. When you think about I, it. In the, the, in the traditional sense and yeah. in, I'll say the more respective sense, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's not like 30 years ago, people weren't mailing each other dick pics. I mean, I, I mean maybe in some facet, some degree. I wouldn't mind Googling that to see what it would look like. I think it'd be hysterical, you know, but you always, you always took your disposable camera and saw a guy take a picture down his pants for fun, but it was never, that wasn't what was attractive. Yeah. You know, we didn't look for the dick pic and we also didn't develop the relationship over, based on uh, based, like, based on, on nudity nudity and also you know that's the fun that comes with it but you had this, this whole phase of meeting in person and interacting mm-hmm. and then seeing if that chemistry was there and then yeah. you got nude together yeah and then you had you know the phone calls that were a little racy yeah. a little more fun but those were that was those were eventualities it was yeah. not you weren't basing meeting the person upon the guarantee that like oh we're gonna yeah. fuck tonight yeah. Or like, I've seen them naked, so I know what I'm getting into. Or we've had, you know, two months of just texting on the on, on the phones, yeah. on the iPhones yeah. and the Androids and, and uh, or even on the app. And it's it's like, well, what else is there to talk about? We, yeah. just, we just tried to get to know everything at once. Yeah. And now it's like, is that why we do it? There's nothing left to know but the dick? Yeah. Well, it's, what else is there to discover? It's like, okay, we've talked about everything. We might as well meet up and have sex. Mm-hmm. Or we're just like you drop conversations, you just stop talking to people. Oh yeah. And a part of it's because you're talking to four or five, six, seven different people. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, ah, this person's a little more interesting. I'm just going to stop talking to the other people. And it's just like, okay, well you invested all this time and all this energy and all this conversation yeah. and potentially pictures with these other people. And it's just like, ah, interest is gone. Well, if the interest is gone that easily, was it ever actually really there? Yeah. And that's a huge, huge problem. But you said, you mentioned to me, um, a couple of dating apps that I wasn't even aware of. So I think, so you're a, a lovely Jewish woman. Tell me about J-Swipe a little bit. Oh boy. So J-Swipe is kind of a turn on, uh, since we brought up Plenty of Fish, there's a like match and harmony. You have J-Date, um, which every Jewish mother tries to get their Jewish children on. To find a good Jewish boy. To find a good Jewish boy. I mean, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I'm, I'm, my family is all about love. Love is love, love whoever you want, and I'm very grateful for that. But my friends a few years ago took my phone, and this is actually like they took my phone and downloaded JSwipe. And JSwipe is a app that is not exclusive to Jewish people because you can say what level of Judaism you are. And <laughs> there are le- like, whoa, there, whoa, whoa, was, there's levels was, of Judaism. Oh yeah, it was like Orthodox, traditional. It was I know like, Hasidic. It, yeah, Hasidic so is that's one. More, it's a more Orthodox. I mean, okay. I don't think a Hasidic. Uh, Jewish man or woman would be on one of these. Okay. Um, but you'd have like traditional. My favorite was willing to convert. That's they a had category a like, for, for non-Jews. Non-Jews willing to convert for and the right person for 
for the right person. And I wanted to, <laughs> I always wanted to put in my bio, do you know what that entails? Yeah. There's a little snippet of that you're leaving out on that one. There's a lot of reading involved, isn't there? There's a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a few, a uh, few little cuts yeah. on a certain little area. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Even if you're an adult, like that's like, that's, if you're, if you're an uncircumcised adult male if you want to and you actually want to fully convert to Judaism, you have to get an that's adult circumcision. Thing. Yeah. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Fox. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a real thing. And the best part, Johnny, when you matched with someone, it went muzzle tub and had all these little stars oh drop fuck. drop. That's, it was so it was for the hilarity. Good. But you know, I was on hinge at the same time and yeah. I was just on there. Basically what it did was it filtered all of the same men from mm -hmm. hinge into like, oh yeah, I knew you were part of the tribe and now I just confirmed you're part of the tribe. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and they were talking to you and it felt the men on there were a little more inclined to get to know you, inclined to talk. And I wanted to be like, is your mother standing behind you? Yeah. You know, you felt that. You felt that like pressure to be. What, to be more Jewish? To be more Jewish. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just the ish, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm Jew, just, a Jew-ish. I'm, Jew I'm just the ish, yeah, you yeah. know? And I, I'm okay with that. But it was, uh, it was really interesting. My favorite was coming across someone who wasn't willing to convert. I'm like, you are just having a time with this. Yeah. And some people have their fetishes, their things, or they, you know, a lot of family oriented cultures love to be around. It doesn't matter. Like they like that aspect of family and mm -hmm. culturally things are really aligned. So they look for it. But when it comes down to it, 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 it are you willing to convert? That's uh, yeah, I don't, I, <laughs> willing to convert ish. That's the whole thing. Like, I don't think you understand exactly what that entails. Yeah. And I mean, so I didn't know about J swipe and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure I may have come across ads, but I mean, it went in one ear and out the other because it obviously didn't apply to me and it wasn't one of my fetishes. But one of the ones you were not aware of is an app called Field and it's Field, it's F-E-E-L-D. And I was not aware of this. I was introduced to this by a friend of mine a while ago. Field is essentially a dating app like Hinge or like Bumble or Tinder, whatever it is. But this shit is a little more I'm not going to use the word aggressive, but a little bit more direct. Like mm -hmm. field is, there are a couple accounts. So you can see one person's account, then you can see their partner. And essentially they're laying out sexual expectations, kinks, desires. And I mean, these are real people, full body pictures, not nude pictures, but full body pictures. A lot of time people put riskier pictures on this app and they are very direct about what they're going. This is much more of a sexual app and navigating those waters is extremely interesting because you learn a lot more about people's sexualities because they're open it's a much more direct app and there are some people out there who are into some shit and they it is right out there for you like if you get a match and they're like okay cool like what are you what are you into what's what's a no-go what's your safe word and all that kind of shit they dive right into it and i mean that's not an app that's for everyone i've had a little bit of fun with it but even then there are some there are some people on there who are so fucking extreme and almost feels like there's a lot of the the rejects from the other apps that are a little more tame a little more indirect end up on this thing and just shove their sexual ideals down your fucking throat so to speak do you think it's a platform that gave them that voice to say i can be aggressive like is there a balance like a line on that app? there is i mean it's in terms of the sexual community that app especially people are a lot more understanding mm -hmm. if it's that whole community mentality where if we're here on this app we all know what it's for and we all are essentially walking the same path it's it. for very sexual people very open people and 
there is no problem with spewing what you're into and what you want and having the confidence and the, and the knowledge that the person on the other end at any time could say, ah, pump the brakes, this is not for me, or AK okay, cool, green light, let's do this. Do you ever get backlash on it when you pump the brakes? Like, is that, you know, because on day pass, I've had backlash, so I'm I just have. curious. It's because one of the boxes that you can tick is you can be an individual looking to join a couple. Got it. And a couple can speak to you and, you know, they might be into certain things that you're into. Great. The conversation continues. And yeah, I'm down with that. I don't mind if your husband watches. I don't mind if you want to film. I don't mind if you want to do this. But once in a while, they'll say, well, we're into this as well. Then you're like, ah, that's that's definitely not my thing. And generally people are understanding, but you still like any other dating app. Well, what the fuck are you on this then? Like, why did you match with me? And it's just like, you know, you can't have like we've talked about, you can't have those expectations all the time it's yeah. not fair it, it's like it's a i hate to use this word but i'm going to use it it sounds like a projection of their own insecurity oh, yeah. at that point yeah. you know so do you have to lay out the the connections you have with other partners like is that a web that you have to showcase or is that like a safety thing is that a it's honestly it's more whatever you're comfortable with i mean you part of your bio like i mean it's not just your you don't have to just put your height or your religion or if you smoke or if you drink, like, you know, there's never socially or frequent, like there's those basic things, but there is um, a part for you to fill out, which is your sexuality. So are you straight? Are you hetero flexible? Are you bi-curious? Are you queer? Um, are you bisexual? Like there's so many subcategories of sexuality. And a lot of times you might match with somebody who doesn't necessarily have the same sexuality, but at that point, if that connection is made, you can't have those expectations. You can't project your own sexuality onto someone just because you match with them. There should be communication and curiosity, of course, but you can't project exactly like, this is what we're gonna do or we're not gonna fucking meet up. Like, that's not fair. It's just, just because you wanna be satisfied doesn't mean necessarily that the person you're matching with, they might find you hot, but they might not be into everything that you're into. You can layer that onto every aspect of dating, even just outside of the sexual. Mm -hmm. But the sexual, of course, is the hardest part. So that mm -hmm. is a really interesting app that I am not on. Well, that's I think the sexual is is the like the the meat the meat of, of a connection in a dating aspect. You can disagree, like you don't like Chinese food. I like Chinese food, and eh, we can work around that. Um, you don't like horror movies, but I like horror movies, and eh, we can work around that. I've had that fail. That's okay, but there, but that's something that's a very easy conversation to have. Yes. That's an easy conversation to have because, like, yeah. okay, cool, whatever. That's not that's not unheard of. You could have, but then again, you can have a partner like I'm really into anal, but you're not into anal at all. If I'm really into anal and you're not even willing to try it, then chances are this is not gonna fucking work There's out. A lack of satisfaction well, exactly. there, and and I think that's a fair thing to communicate. Well, yes, of course, there should be communication. And I mean, yeah. I think communication is the basis for any good fucking relationship. Um, we're talk, we talk so much about dating apps, so it's fantastic. Um, I think a, a tangent we can branch off about dating apps and people taking the perfect picture and presenting themselves in such a way that is appeasing to society and luring in potential clients or potential partners is I think like the really, really sexy people, like the nines and the tens, I think that essentially we are sexualizing and over-sexualizing the wrong people. Like, and that ties into, let's say someone walking down the street is drop-dead gorgeous, extremely hot, like gorgeous. Like they want, whether it's male or female or everything in between, 
whether they want the attention or not, like they know like I'm hot, everyone's looking at me. My experience is the people that are that attractive, that drop dead good looking are fucking garbage in bed. Your nines and tens are lazy in bed because they've had everything handed to them. Versus the people who let's say society would deem sixes and sevens, not drop dead gorgeous, but attractive. Those are the ones in my experience who can fucking throw down in the bedroom. It's a matter of confidence. I mean, if you're always trying to upkeep at a 10, you know, you probably have some insecurities and I'm, I'm not trying to generalize. I, but I agree with you because those are the people, those are the same people, like those are the girls that wear makeup at the gym or wear makeup at the beach or like have to have, you know, the, the fucking perfect sex little bikini when they're going to the water park. Like who gives a shit? And I love, I think women embracing, you know, how beautiful they are is fantastic but it's the energy and the focus you put into it and that mm. insecurity that shouldn't be your driving force. Mm -hmm. And I think when you find those tens with that insecurity, I mean, mind you, I am a woman, but mm -hmm. if you find those tens with that insecurity, they're going to starfish on you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where you have a woman, um, you know, she's a, little, she's a little more curvy. She's not super fit. She's doing what she wants. She's happy. She's healthy. She, you know, wears makeup here and there because she wants to, not because she feels she needs Thank to. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And she's probably like, I'm going to get naked in front of you. Yeah, I got a little more cushion for the pushing, mm -hmm. but I can own it. Yeah. And that's probably where you see that 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 bedroom play, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it, the same thing can be said for, for males, too. I mean, I know lots of guys who are, you know, big, muscular, really good looking. And then you hear stories like, oh, I, I took this girl home, fucked the shit out of her for five minutes. It was amazing. And it was like, Five. was it, was it, was, was it, it really? Was it really though? It might've been great for you. It yeah. might've been great for you watching yourself in the mirror and all that kind of shit. But was it great for her? Let's talk about the jackrabbit in the room. There you go. Yeah, that's that's never fun. And uh, it's interesting because men have a lot of, I find a lot of the most like fit, hot, buff, 10 men, like beautiful models. Mm -hmm. They have their own insecurities and that is where you feel it. You feel it in mm -hmm. bed. You feel, okay, you know, I mean, I haven't been plenty of those men, but the ones that I have, it's just, okay, are, are you, um, are you, are you okay? Are you thinking about this too hard? Yeah. Are you worried about how you look? Are, are you, you putting on a show? Are you trying to put on a show? Or are you yeah. actually enjoying this? Are you, are you present in the moment or are you trying to, you know, do you make yourself feel better about yourself? Yeah. That's not fair to either partner in any relationship. I agree. Well, it's not fair to either partner because it's putting that expectations of performance. It's just like this person is so fucking hot. There's no way they're garbage in bed. And that just, that, that's, that's unrealistic and that's not fair. It's not fair. It's also a pressure that they're putting on themselves. Like, why is the end goal to be good in bed? Yeah. Why isn't the end goal? Let's get together. Let's see if our chemistry just fires up yeah. and go from there. Yeah. And just like the touching, the feeling, the embracing, whatever you want to do, the yeah. layers of fooling around. And that's, that's, that's later on. That should be later on, right? Because I mean, the best sexual experiences I've ever had, whether it be casual or in relationships, are with the people that, you know, the, the first little while you're hanging out is fucking, you're cracking jokes, you're like you're poking fun at each other, you're laughing at all the same songs, like it's just relaxed and it's comfortable. And mm -hmm. it's just like, there's that, that connection that builds, that fire that starts to burn. And you're just like, 
I don't like, I don't give a shit how big your dick is, or I don't give yeah. a fuck what your tits look like. This is going to be, our, our sex is going to be amazing because we're genuinely into each other. Absolutely. And to look at someone as a nine or a 10, let's say like what model like society deems as fucking hot or fucking perfect and automatically assuming, oh my God, they're so hot. Oh my God, this is going to be amazing. That's completely fucking false. It's, it's, it's a connection that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to connect looks with abilities. Performance. Yeah, yeah, performance. No, exactly. It's just like and you then look at disappointment. Yeah. You connected looks, performance, disappointment. Yeah. You've set the expectations. Yeah, you set the bar too high. It's like I'm like I'm six five. I'm tall by by many standards. I'm shit at basketball. But people will look at me and assume one of the first things out of people's mouths is like, oh, like you must play basketball. It's like, well, you're assuming that because I'm tall. So you're assuming someone is super hot, you're assuming that they're very sexual or that they're really good in bed. And it makes me wonder why we not, you know, if we are with someone that is nine, 10, 10 and a half, mm -hmm. you can still get to know them and then have the good experience Absolutely. in bed. You know, it's the automatic sexualization of, ooh, they are hot, I want to have sex with them right now. Yeah. Why don't we, isn't it, they are so beautiful, they are so hot, let me get to know the beauty in them yeah. as well. That's so much harder to do For sure. when you're talking to four, five, six, seven different people. Absolutely. But, but I'm talking enough. to all these people, but no, I have to pick the hottest one. That has to be the hottest one because if I go out in public, I'm going to be seen with them and they have to look hot. Like it has to be. It's good for the gram. It's good for the gram. It's good for all my friends. They've been, oh yeah, it's the hot person versus I could be out in public with someone I actually enjoy being with. Yes. And there's this minor fear that, oh, what if, what if people think that I can't get someone hot, which is a fucked up mentality, but that's a very prevalent mentality in society today. And it sucks. My favorite outings with whenever I'm with, like if I'm seeing someone or I'm dating is when my friends give me the feedback and they go, you guys get each other. Yeah. You, you look know, so happy. You look so happy. Yeah. And I find over time you meet someone like, I'm not judging them solely based on their appearance, they become so much more attractive mm -hmm. over time. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and my I, my biggest pet peeve is when one of my girlfriends is like, oh, this is so-and-so, I've been seeing him, he's so great, he's so great, he's so great. And then when you go to meet them for the first time in public, she gives you a disclaimer. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, he's not as attractive as like the last guy, but he's so great. I'm like, yeah. you don't have to say that. Why are you worried about yeah, that? Like, why, is that? Is that what you're really worried about? What, what, where did that come from? Yeah. Enjoy it. Let me enjoy you two being yeah. happy. Or you know, a, a girlfriend or, or a guy friend will send you a picture of the new person they're seeing. It's like, like he's much hotter in person. Like he's much like who gives a fuck? Are you happy? Great. Yeah. Then who gives a fuck? Yeah. Is he shit? kind? Are you respectful to each other? Do mm -hmm. you communicate? Is there a life that you can build together day by day? That, exactly. If you're actually looking for a relationship yeah. or something, an emotional connection, that's all that fucking matters. Does and he respect again, you? Exactly. Communi and it's communication yeah. and confidence. And that another tangent that goes into is when you are in a relationship or you have a connection with someone and it reaches the sexual point, but as it should, and someone wants to bring toys into the bedroom. Oof. And I'm a huge, a huge fan of sex toys. I believe it takes a certain level of confidence, especially among men, because men are so intimidated by sex toys. They assume that if a female or a, another male partner wants to bring a sex toy into the bedroom, what, am I not good enough? Is my dick not big enough? Do I not make you come? Like, what's going on? They automatically make it about them because of insecurities. Mm -hmm. When you should look at it as, Oh, my partner wants to bring in a sex toy. That's a whole different dynamic of pleasure for us both. 
an exploration element there, but there's a level of comfort that comes with that too. Agreed. And not all relationships need it. Just because you don't mm -hmm. do it in a relationship doesn't mean you're not at your peak of comfortable, awesome sexual connectedness. Mm -hmm. But it is something that I'm sure is fun. I mean, I wouldn't know. Yeah, uh, you don't own any sex toys. I own zero. Whereas uh, I own a, a giant pirate trunk full of random shit. Well, you do look like a pirate, so that makes sense. Yes. Yo ho ho. And yes, a, and, a, and a, a bottle lot of, of rum. Cum. A lot of <laughs> and, a, and a bottle of cum. Um, yeah, sorry to my family if I said that on a podcast. But no, I don't own, and it's not ever impeded any sexual relationship I've mm -hmm. had. I, I take myself as a very passionate and, you know, I, when I'm with someone, there is that energy there. And I've actually ended relationships because they were mostly platonic, that sexual chemistry wasn't there. Yeah. And the, you know, the build up to it, I don't know, we haven't needed it, but I, I can see the insecurity because there have been moments where it's with men, uh, you know, I'm wondering, oh, do they not like me? Do they not mm. like my body? Do they not want to touch me? But really, What's going, in What's their going on in their head? What's going like, on inside their I'm head? I'm not hard enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not going to please her. So it's yeah. like we all have this insecurity. So I can get why when you bring in something to the room, they think that way. Yeah. How do you overcome it? It's, I think, a big part of it, as we both agree on, is communication. And I don't think a sex toy should ever be used as a crutch mm. or as a replacement because that's when you get into that that negative mentality of like, well, well, he's, I know he's not going to make me come. So that's okay, I'll just break out my vibrator. Like Oof. that's, and Oof. that's as horrible as that is for the woman, that is so damaging for the man when he's aware, like especially like sex was done, the guy comes and immediately the girl rolls over and grabs her vibrator. Like that is absolutely yes. earth shattering. Hey, let earth me just take your ego. Can you yeah. hand it to me on a, I'm just gonna smash that up yeah. for you right now. You did it, you, you tried honey, you, you tried. tried honey. So that's a big problem I have too is, is like, my big thing is like, I want to make sure the man's happy mm -hmm. in, my, in my relationships, you know, he's good. But when you have a man who allows a girl to roll over and take her vibrator out, yeah. dude, stop her. Yeah. Help <laughs> her get to that point because women and men don't finish the same way all the time. Absolutely. We're built so differently mm -hmm. and woman to woman, man to man, relationship to relationship, you're triggered different ways. Yeah. Finish her off. Yeah, like Mortal <laughs> Finisher. Finisher. Mortal Kombat. Who of Fatality. It's, Get over here. Exactly. I mean, like, and it's funny that you say that we we are so different and we are different emotionally. And what I'm talking about triggers, emotional triggers, physical triggers, sexual triggers. And the only way to build that bond with your sexual partner is to communicate. And I mean, there are so many cool things you can do with sex toys. There's there's plugs, there's whips, there's flogs, there's dildos, there's What's wands. A so a flog is essentially it's like it's got a handle like you would have on a whip, but it's got a whole bunch of like leather strips. Oh. So it, it almost it's it's almost like a bunch of oh, leather like a torture fingers. Thing that you yeah, kind of. Yeah. Exactly. Getting flogging. Getting flogged. Exactly. But I mean, like I have a flog. There's flogs for pleasure, and I mean some people are into the pain, and when you can communicate like this is what I'm into this this will make me come you can't as the other partner take that as a personal attack if anything it's an opening it's saying I trust it's, yeah, you it's an opportunity I'm gonna put myself in a vulnerable position and I'm gonna trust you and have the confidence in your ability to work on this together and try something new and as a lover who just wants to shut that down and say no no sex toys I don't feel comfortable with it 
Well, chances are when you're not around, then they're going to be using the fucking sex toy anyway, yeah. and that's when it's a fucking crutch. Especially when they express this is what they need, and if you're not open to it, and there's a huge disconnect there, then maybe the reevaluation. Yeah, yeah a reevaluation of the entire relationship. Absolutely. Like, there's, I've like over the years, like when I was a younger man and not as confident. Like most men, I didn't have any sex toys because you're convinced like, no, dick is the end game. If that doesn't work, I got my fingers, I got my mouth, like blah, blah, blah. I'm intimidated. I don't fucking need it. And as I think as I got older and more sexually confident, I loved to replace certain acts and certain situations with sex toys because you get to explore a whole different realm with your partners using these toys. Like at the end of the day, a man's penis does not vibrate. It just doesn't vibrate. So if it doesn't vibrate and your partner likes vibration, bring in something that vibrates. It's going to make them come harder. It's going to make them feel better. And shit, if you want to absorb some of that into your ego and be like, I did a good fucking job. Yeah, you did. So take that as a win. Don't take it as something that's negative. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then think that's the biggest thing you just said. Don't take it as a negative. Yeah. You know, it's that it's almost like a collaboration. Yeah, you're yeah you're, you're working on a group project. You're working this is on a collab. Group. It's this a group a project. We have the same end goal. We care. We respect. We are passionate about each other. But we want to explore and have mm -hmm. fun. And it doesn't mean that we are lacking. Okay. You know, I think that's a big thing with sex toys. Maybe that's where my head was at for a while. It's like, well, what am I lacking? Mm -hmm. And that was when I was much more insecure. Mm -hmm. But the way you're explaining it is like you're bringing it in to add value. Exactly. It's not. It's not to replace. It's not to shame, it's to add to the experience. It's like, great, popcorn is awesome. I love popcorn. Go to the theater, get fucking popcorn. You know what's better than popcorn? Put a little butter on it. You know what's even better? Put a little butter on it. Adding some M&M's There you go, exactly. It's, it's, you're not- Shake it up. It's, and even if it's not quote unquote better, it's different. Try it. And mm -hmm. if it's not for you, cool, great. At least you tried it. Sex toys, what, what's a- uh... What's your favorite one? My fit. I'm a huge fan of wands. There's, there's wand, wand like a, like a wand. Like, like you're a wizard, wizard Harry. Yeah, exactly, okay. Like a wand. So the original sex toy was called. It was the Hitachi wand, and it was something that was developed in the early 1900s as essentially. You know, they sell them as body massagers. You go into those little, those little random electronic shops, and they sell body massagers, and yep. it looks like a marshmallow on a stick. Yeah. Those those were essentially invented to be body massagers. But when the first world war, world war happened and all the soldiers were overseas and all their lonely wives were stuck at home with these body massagers, well, they vibrate extremely strong. And the, the head of them, or the marshmallow of them, is waterproof and it's soft. What were to happen if I were to slide that a bit lower? And I mean, essentially it was discovered that, oh my God, like this, thing that vibrates can get me off. So it's, that's now it's why it's the world's greatest selling sex toy and the world's best sex toy. It was like the original vibrator. And I mean, they're in porn, they're in porn shops, they're in like, they're in sex stores, they're in everything. And it's, it's my favorite, my favorite thing, because like I said, like my dick doesn't vibrate. Like I, it can be the world's biggest dick, the world's smallest, it doesn't matter. It's not going to fucking vibrate. So the vibration, the things you can do with it, is so much for. I mean, you don't even have to be having sex. Like you can be doing oral or hand play and all that kind of stuff, bring in a vibrator and it's a whole other fucking game. Karaoke, I'll never be able to listen or look at a Look at a microphone every, it looks yeah. essentially like a or big a marshmallow fucking or a marshmallow. It. Exactly. it looks so, like a big white marshmallow. Here's my question. And I think this is where my fear came from. Mm -hmm. And since I am, what do you call sex toy negative? 
Uh, so sex toy rookie. Sex, no, I wouldn't say rookie. That requires owning one. Okay, fair. Um, I, I don't have, or I don't even have a vibrator. Yes. Okay. <laughs> don't have a vibrator. <laughs> it took me 30 years to pierce yeah. my ears. Let me ease into this, Johnny. My, my question is, does that not then kind of bring the pleasure needs further like forward and intense for a woman? Like, is she then training her body to need something more extreme? And that sets up a cycle of disappointment when a man can't deliver, because as you keep saying, penises don't vibrate. Yeah, interesting. That's a very interesting question. And it's a very good question. Like, I mean, that you can delve into the realm of, oh, will I become desensitized? Because if I, if I use my vibrator too much, will my, my pussy become less sensitive because I'm using it so much? And I mean, there are extreme cases for everything. Of course, people can get addicted to anything. Mm -hmm. And there are individuals that will reach a point where I've, I'd just rather have my vibrator instead of a penis. I'm sure there are women out there like that. And I mean, that's the risk with anything. You can become addicted to fucking potato chips. In it your is, vagina? It that's is, weird. Well, whatever, you can be addicted, whatever, then eggplants or cucumber, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Pick your phallic food. <laughs> Whatever, whatever you're into, go on field and find out what other people are into. That's F-E-E-L-D. F-E-E-L-D. That'll <laughs> scare the shit out of you or, or make you curious, that's for sure. But, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, that goes back to communicating with your partner. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if you want to use a sex toy all the time when you're by yourself, that's your prerogative. How you want to masturbate is, is up to you. Do what you want to do. But when you have these toys available at your disposal and you have a relationship where you are confident in communicating and confident in your abilities and aware of what your your partner's body, their physical triggers and their sexual triggers, then I think it just adds to it. It really just adds to it. it like I said, it's not a crutch. It's it's a bonus. Amplifying. Yeah. You know I mean, it's not like every single time you fool around, you're going to use the toy. Not every single time. Really? No, not every single time. It's, you might not want a, a clitoral fucking orgasm. You might just want to have penetration. Mm. Like, it just depends on what what you're into at that time or what you're in the mood for. Like, there's a lot of times, you know, what's on the table. Like, am I in the mood for a hand job or a blow job or sex? There's different moods for that? Absolutely. Oh. Sometimes I'm just, I'm sorry, I have a headache or I'm tired. It's just like, you know what? Like, I really just like a soapy hand job in the shower or like I'm really energetic I had a fantastic day I booked a really good gig like I want to have sex and I want to get this energy out or other nights where you're I had a couple of drinks and you're feeling really dirty like I want a fucking blow job in, in front of the windows in the condo like it's just, there's different moods and I mean I'm sure it's the same thing for women where you might be in a mood for a different experience. Yeah, like a tear my clothes off mood or like a strip me slowly. You make love to me, like fuck me, use me, or make love to me, treat me like a queen. Like everyone's got a different mood and that can be applied to sex toys. Yeah. Like it's the same thing, it's the same thing with dildos. Like, I mean, one night you might be in the mood for just, just a little plug, just a little thing, you know, I, I just want a bit of a teasing. And then another night you might be in the mood for the Great American Challenge, which is a giant fucking rubber rotating fist. I'm not saying you, I'm just saying some people. Like, that, I mean, that sounds like a trip to the ER. That, yeah, but I, I, you, the great when you watch American porn, Challenge. it's called the Great American Challenge. It's literally a forearm with a fist, and the fist rotates. And that's like, if a baby can come out, like, with enough work, the American Challenge can go in. Oh. Okay, uh, I wish you could see my face right yeah, now. It's, uh, it's, I'm saying it's it exists. People sell it because people buy it. It's, it's on shelves. People are gonna buy it. See, like that's another thing I fear. I just it's just where does it go and how does it get in there? There's yeah, and there's some like 
probably the most fucked up toy I've ever seen, and it's a real thing. And I want to say that it's called the drag. It's called the Dragon Claw Oy. or the Devil's Thumb or something. And it's literally, it's literally like a, it looks like it's rubber. It's soft and it's rubber, but it looks like, like you know, a dragon's claws. Like they have like their big talons. Yeah. It looks. It's a singular talon, but it's got this huge. It's it's shaped like a dragon's finger. It's these huge nubby scaly fucking finger with the claw on the end. And I mean. Women use it as a dildo, or they use it like they have suction cups. You can suction cup it to the floor and ride the hell out of it. Like there's fucking everything is the sex toys out there. There is so much shit. There's so much shit, and I mean you can look at it where it's like this is fucked up. I'm not into this, or I'm curious and I want to try that. And every emotion in between. Like you can't just like my first sex toy was a small dildo. Just because, just like I don't, I don't want, I don't want to do a little bigger than my dick. No, what if she wants that instead? Because there's the insecurities. You're new to the, you're new to the sex toy game and all it is. Or you got a little bullet vibrator. I don't want something too loud. I don't want any of my friends to see this in my drawer when they come over. Like, cause you're ashamed of it because it's you're electric insecure. Toothbrush. Exactly right. And some people do use the electric toothbrushes. I, I've heard. Yeah. So I mean, it's the the whole spectrum of sex toys. Is there something for everyone? There's something for people who aren't even into sex toys. Like yeah. there's sex toys for people who hate sex toys. It's just all depending on on what you're into. And I mean, talking about a dildo, it's like, you know, my dick is a certain size and a certain shape, and perhaps my partner is into something else. They want a different flavor once in a while. Or they're built differently. Exactly, like shallow vagina versus deep vagina versus narrow vagina versus wide vagina. Everyone's fucking built differently, and I mean, if I don't necessarily have what you want all the time, we can communicate and work on something that we can both enjoy, or that I know that you're going to enjoy, which in turn gives me pleasure, so that we can move forward. You don't have to; doesn't have to be, you know, consistent for everyone. It's the same thing is getting getting a, a dick pic. That's not for everyone. Oh, that's a fun topic to get into. Yeah, the talk, dick talk, about, talk about dick pics, talk the, about pussy pics, talk about nudes. So I didn't realize that women sent pictures of their vaginas. Yep. That to me is very interesting. How yep. do you feel about that? I overall, I'm fine with it. My issue is that guys get so much flack. First of all, I agree that dick pics, for the most part, are fucking gross. Dicks, can't, can't overall, confirm. overall, penises are not attractive. There are some penises out there who, you know, they are whether we want to call them attractive or nice well, looking. Comparatively to other comparatively ones, to but other overall, ones, they're, they're all different. Overall, they're fucking not attractive. So you don't want to get a dick pic. That's fine. Unsolicited dick pics are inexcusable. They're fucking awful. They're yeah. terrible. Yep. But on the other side of the coin, ladies, it's the same fucking thing for your vaginas. You can't say, "Oh my god, dick pics are gross. Dicks are ugly," and then be like. My vagina is a beautiful flower. Have you seen vaginas? Like, have you seen vaginas? Most of them are not pretty. No, I've never. I mean, I don't have a, a lot of experience with other women's vaginas. But you've seen porn. I, and like, I also like. I don't think they are attractive. They're for the most, for the most part, just like dicks. For the most part, they're not. Every time not I go pretty. get a wax, I say to my esthetician, I go, "How do you stare at these all day?" Mm. And she's like, you just, you just kind of get used to it, yeah. but they're not cute. No. It's not cute. You no. want to send a photo, no, no, send no, 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 something no. sexy. Like a, a tasteful nude or like an implied nude, like a little bit of shadow yeah. and like some side boob and you know, some great lighting. Some, yeah, some art, something that's way more sexy 
than a fucking box shot or a dick pic. And I mean, I've shot. had women send me straight up, like it, unsolicited. It has happened, not often, nowhere near as often. Don't get me wrong, nowhere near as often as unsolicited dick pics. But I have gotten unsolicited box shots, we'll call them. And it's just like, okay, like what? What do you take uh, your phone and start like touching your penis like, to it? Like, like what are what you gonna what do? Am like, I, start ramming it? What am I fucking phone? supposed to do? I understand what what a vagina is for, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to open up a picture of it <laughs> and be like, oh, that's this is I love you. It's a it's a sideways smoked meat sandwich. You're like, somewhere. wait, this is a really cool orchid. Hold yeah, yeah. A so I have I own plants. I've never seen this flower before. What, what blossom is this? And it's like, oh, never oh. mind. That's a pussy. That's a that's that's a meat blossom. It's it, it is. <laughs> it's a meat. It's well, it's got two lips, so it might be a tulip. Yeah. But there's this inexcusable for unsolicited dick pics. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not perfect. I've done it. I'm an idiot. I'm a piece of shit. I've done it in my in my yeah in my fucking in my days. I've done some some horrible things, but it's not to say that I condone them because they are fucking gross, and most women just don't want to see it. But it's the same thing as you can't talk about dick pics and not talk about pussy pics because girls do send them it does happen and they're just as bad i learned something new today yeah. i thought i saw it all and i am learning no. so many things yeah that's wild i mean i i'm still in the dating game and that's not something that's ever really started with some of my relationships like in long distance relationships which i i kind of just uh, exited one of those it's it made sense but for us it was more the act of wanting to to see each other and so mm -hmm. it was exactly that those those implied photos and nothing explicit ever. Yeah, exactly like i mean one of my favorite like if you have a favorite picture to get one of my favorite pictures to get is actually a woman wearing her shirt but like the hard nipples yeah that's just like there's the implication like you know what's under there but you can't really really see it it's just like oh god that's so fucking hot but it's not the whole, it's not the full Monty. It's not everything all at once. No. It's it, too much. It's an, It's too much. It's, mm -hmm. it's It's. not even like, you can't even say, oh, it's raw. Like, no, it's not. That it's, word is, it's such a, like, ugh. It's yeah, it's, it's up there with me with like the word moist. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's like that word. not a good word. It's raw and moist. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not opening that. I'm not opening that picture. No, I'm not. And it's, you know, it's at the same time, it's like, I want to know the intent. Like, that's what drives me wild is the attraction, the appeal, the the passion that's there and like I want to know the effort the effort and like we want each other and if we were together right now we would be with each other yeah and that you can show and yeah. also think about the art side of it bodies are beautiful mm -hmm. and if you want all different shapes and sizes all of bodies shapes are and in sizes. their own respect they're all and if beautiful you want to showcase it and if you are proud and you know your partner loves your body show them mm -hmm. but for don't do it for the intent of oh i'm gonna send a box shot and he's gonna be he's gonna lose me. his mind he's gonna lose his mind this is what's gonna get him honey, into bed honey like who, he can't see you yeah yeah exactly it's just it's, you can it's, find that on google it's another exactly it's a it's a it's another it's a, a getty pick it's a stock picture of a vagina like it's essentially what it is and it's a sex ed class. Is ex what it exactly is. what it is. This is anatomy. Like I can, you can see everything. You can see everything. This is this. This is. I that. own one, and I don't even want to see everything. Yeah, you don't. You don't do the mirror thing where you no. stand over the mirror no, no. and investigate your own gear. No, that's that's. Uh, I leave that to my esthetician. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. And every year, my doctor. Yeah. Yeah. We have once a year. One. Well, I think we're now three. Every three years, we're allowed to get a pap, or uh, I don't so know. It is. It's, I don't. It's I know changed, nothing about that. So. Doesn't matter. I don't really. You know. Yeah. I don't look. 
You're not overly curious. I'm not curious. It's like, I'm good. I know I have one. In passing moments I've seen it, it ain't cute. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, and to go back on talking about like the tasteful nudes, like the tasteful nudes are great when you have that confidence and you want to put that effort into taking a beautiful seductive picture for your partner or for a potential partner. Cool. But don't lay it all out there so much, especially you know, when you have that confidence in your body and you know, like you're owning your shit, it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. stand in front of the mirror, fucking spread Eagle and show me all your gear. Generally the people who are that excited to show off everything they have are the ones who've had so much fucking plastic surgery that they're not human beings anymore. I was talking this with my girlfriends last night and I'm all for, if you have something about yourself that you really want to work on, you want to fix it, it's going to make you feel better, go for it. Mm -hmm. But I'm start, I was identifying with my group of friends. We all look so different. We're mm -hmm. all very diverse. As you things. should. But I've seen some groups of people and they all look very it's much the exact exactly same. same. And I was like, exactly the same. Well, are you happy? Mm -hmm. If you are happy with how you look, then all all the better to you. Yeah. But don't do it because you think you need to look a certain way. And I I've actually wondered when so, like there's just so much. Like I thought about getting a little Botox here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm 32 years old, a little little th th there. Yeah. But I don't want my lips to pop. And that's the huge. I mean, we can say, oh, it's so bad here in Toronto. But I mean, it's it's fucking. It's at the point where it's bad everywhere. It's. And I mean, it's funny that you said the groups of friends that all look alike. And I mean, you see it more and more now. Like when I go out or I'm serving a group of ladies and they all look the, they could be different races, but they all look the exact same because they've all got the fake lips. They've all got the fake tits. They've all got the Botox. They've all got their eyebrows. And this is not like, okay, this is a woman in her forties and fifties who's lost a bit of confidence who wants, you know, a little bit of reju rejuvenation. They want to feel a bit better about themselves. This is like women in their late teens, like 19 Which is and wild. early 20s. Leaving high school, or, even in high school. Do you remember? Yeah, 18 years old in high school and getting fake tits. Like what the fuck? It's like that, there's something wrong with your head. I have friends who have done their breasts and got it done because they were really insecure That's about different. that size. That's different. And they waited and they wanted it and they feel great about it. And it's not like massive. They're not massive. Yeah. They're just, you know, they feel good. They're like a C or a D and it's great. Yeah. My big thing with plastic surgery was, you know, growing up and I knew a lot of girls who got their nose done, everything because they were so insecure. When did it become so publicly acceptable? Not acceptable, but talked about. In, it's when encouraged. It be, it's it, encouraged now. Secret. Yeah. It's always like, oh, did she or didn't did she? Did she get her tits done? Like, and no one talked about it. No one was getting the eye shape, like the eye size boobs. I've seen people post their photos shit. of post lip injection appointments with all the bruising, and they're like, oh, so happy I'm at the clinic I right now. I did a now. thing. I did a thing. I did a thing. Oh, okay. But it, I think it also came with the, you know, because the, the Kardashians. It's it was that huge and with the Kardashians. It's the same thing with any scene. So, you know, as a dancer, it used to be you had the East Coast style of dance, you had the West Coast style of dance, and there was no way of seeing it until yeah. you were at competitions yeah. and you all tried to pick up certain styles. Now, because we're all, you know, as cliche as it sounds, on Instagram, super connected, super everything, everyone's doing the same exact it's a thing. It's a and it's the same fashion, it's the same everything. We're losing so much of that originality because we all are so exposed to that stuff and whatever the new norm is, everyone's kind of catering to all the time. Yeah. Remember you used to want to get like the magazine from Paris and yeah. you like, look at the, the month's trend. Yeah. Now it's like, I can tell you what the minutes trend is. Well, yeah, Cause it's in, on your, like in your face all over social media and it's, 
the people semi like the insecurity that you know is being bred by because there's a standard society is a standard for beauty and society is a standard for normalcy and what a 20 year old woman is expected to what an attractive 20 year old woman is expected to look like and i mean you're getting lip injections or your tits done or your brows done at 20 years old like you're still a child essentially like what concerns what's gonna happen in the long run for that like don't get me wrong Connie. when i am like 55 60 and my future children that i don't have any closeness to having yet leave the nest mm-hmm. i'm getting it all redid good for you i am fine to do it i'm gonna i'm gonna add another 20 years to my face mm-hmm. of like of, of you yeah sure great but are you gonna have this upkeep now from the age of 18 19 like what is the legal age you can even do it to? and that's i think that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is the upkeep it's not like i got my lips done i'll never have to do it again it's like what like is it every what every year every six months six months i think it is but then it, it also it's an addiction thing right Absolutely, it's an addiction. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's a addiction. similar thing to, you know, we've replaced smoking with juuling. We've replaced, you know, a lot of people are not doing the harder drugs anymore. They're going into the more, like, weed and psychological. Well, it's come like, back it's, to it's, psychedelics. It's, it's psychedelics yeah. and everything. It's like, but we all need to be constantly doing something. And vanity can be addictive. So you were saying this it's it's about confidence yeah so we're getting to this point where it's no it has to be that fine line between building that confidence and who i want to be proud of when i walk on the street and if i had a really huge bump in my nose absolutely when i was growing up as a model i have a wider bridge nose and i was told a few times like you have to get your nose done mm-hmm. but it's not something that i felt insecure about yeah. i was like you know what you don't want that look that's not who i am but then it gets to this overdone where it's vanity now, where it's, I need to keep doing this. I need to get cheek fillers. I need to look like this to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Accepted by who? Well, that and that accepted what? By society? Who gives a shit? Yeah. And that's when, you know, is it really, is it actually an insecurity or is it like an addiction or is it something that you're, you're so reliant on what other people are thinking? It's vanity. Like it's not because, it's not because you feel insecure about it. It's because... You're worried about what everyone else Which is, is thinking about insecurity. it. Absolutely, it's 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 terrible. It, yeah, you know, we live in a society of showcasing everything. And the one thing about that I've really, I mean, to take a plus and a positive from everything that's happened this year in 2020 is we've all been forced to pause, mm-hmm. and we've all been forced to kind of take a step back and reevaluate ourselves. And I've seen a lot of women, you know, taking off the layers of makeup, shedding the heels shedding these things that they actually didn't enjoy doing mm-hmm. you know don't get me wrong you enjoy doing it you love the way you look when you do it i will never poo poo that mm-hmm. but you're seeing these layers come we're all becoming more introspective and figuring it out and, and it's a whole different world we're not showcasing it as much yeah. we're not plastering our plastic yeah you know life is becoming a little more organic again i'm hoping i this is that's a wish we'll world. see what happens like i mean I think we can all agree that when the world goes back to normal, normal is not what normal was. No, it'll be a new it will normal. never be. It will never be the same as to what it was. And I but hope it is. I'm talking to a lot of people and a lot of women, especially who are like, "Oh my god, I've loved. I didn't have had. I haven't had to wear makeup for the last three months, Ooh. or like I haven't had to do my hair. Like this is so good." But if you saw that, let's say six months ago, and you're just like, "Like no, 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 I haven't. I haven't got my hair done in like in like three weeks. I need to get my fucking hair done. This is terrible." because you're expected to. Yeah. Now it's given, like you said, it's given the world a pause 
and people have an, an, an opportunity to sit back and take a look at what is actually important. What is important to you? Not what everyone else is thinking. What is important to you? What makes you feel good? Fuck the general public. What makes you feel good? Focus it's, on that. And you know what? You said it perfectly. It's a lot of women saying, oh, I'm so happy I haven't had to. Well, why did you? Yeah, you never had to. You never had to. Like I have makeup on right now because I enjoy wearing mm -hmm. it sometimes when I'm going out and I'm doing things and it's like the art, it's the fun, but I'm not wearing it to hide who I am. You exactly. accentuate everything. But the big thing is too, is that what else stopped? Yeah. Dating. Yeah. We can't date right now. Mm -hmm. So is, is that our correlation there? Well, I think, well, yeah, there has to be a correlation because whether it be dating or whether it be you walking down the street to go get your groceries, there used to be an expectation. There was an expectation of how you had to look and how you had to act. It's the same thing as these poor souls who feel the need because they have to wear makeup to go to the gym or wear makeup to go to the beach. You're going to a fucking beach. Chances are you're going to get sand or at least water on you and your makeup's going to get fucked up. But you know that there are going to be people on their phones and everyone has to take pictures and everyone has to show how much fun they're having. So you have to look good. You have to look hot. You have to look perfect. Yeah. Who like, is it really that important? No, but people are programmed that they have to look perfect. Yeah. I'm not going to wear my bathing suit with a, a little stain on the pocket of my shorts because it looks like shit. I'm worried that someone's going to see that. Like I'm worried that gets caught in a pick and like, Oh, who's the fucking, who's the guy with the shitty bathing suit? Well, that's last year's model. Who gives a shit? That guy's a loser. And people have those genuine You're concerns. You're not wearing the Gucci slides. Exactly. Like people have those concerns and that's fucked up. I used to be guilty of that. I'm not going to lie. I used to have a, we all were, like, I mean, like I used to check it. Like, I used to be like, can I, should I post this? Do I post that? How should I look? Now it's like, Oh, I have bags under my eyes. I have wrinkles. Mm. My teeth are facing up. Hello world, yeah. this is the real me. Yeah. But that's a rare thing and, and it's really interesting to think, well, women are happy, they've shed these makeup, they've shed the layers of that, mm -hmm. they're living with themselves, they're content, they're doing what they wanna do, but we're single. We're still single. But Rachel, that gives us an opportunity to focus on ourselves. Yeah, and exactly. And not look, not look for that validation, not yeah. look, I have to look good for someone else, as opposed to, I wanna feel good. Yeah. For myself. And I always say you have to be your best self before you can be your best with someone else. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean you're like, a, you're always a work in progress, mm -hmm. but you have to be that. And so it's going to be really interesting to see as phases open up, you yeah, know, phase, and, phase and, three is about to hit here in phase Toronto three is soon. about to hit. And like, even now with the patios to see how kind of like the dating life and everything come yeah. back. And hopefully we you know men, women, however you identify, we hold on to this newfound love for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. I'm glad that we both agree that essentially moving forward, as it always has been, communication should always be number one and self-love. Yeah. And I think that this has given us an opportunity to really focus on that and however people want to take it moving forward will really define, define the new normal. It, we have the opportunity to define the new normal through those things. I think that's amazing. Perfect. Well, this was lovely having a chat with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And I want to thank everyone for listening. This was the third episode of Chewing the Fats. We will be back next week with another lovely guest host. And I hope every one of you enjoys your day. Turn my volume off. Just turn it off. Yeah, get some fucking... I need all your focus. I need all your focus because we're back. This is Chewing the Facts. Everyone, welcome back. I am your host, Johnny. 
Uh, I wanted to say a big thank you for all of you who tuned in for the entire first season. Your support means a lot to me. Um, I don't know if you checked out the recap, but I talked about more or less all of the episodes that I had done in the first season, what I learned about them, talking about some of my favorite moments and some of the most embarrassing ones. Now we're into season two, and this is my first episode, and I have my first guest, Mr. Phil Faubert, and I am so excited to have you here. I say that almost every episode, but I really, really am excited to have Phil here, because Phil and I have known each other for a few years, but we've had quite an interesting journey, both together and as individuals. So Phil, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, hi everyone, uh, and uh, thanks for having me on, Johnny. Obviously, I'm a big fan of uh, what you've uh, kind of created in the past year. Season one's been really interesting to listen to. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, really happy and proud of you, man, because uh, you know you definitely have a gift, and uh, it's uh, I think uh, you're onto something uh, really incredible, and a lot of people are really talking about this. So I super, that. super proud of you, and yeah, obviously so grateful to be on. And uh, yeah, just looking to share my story with you and our experiences. Please, and, uh, I would love to know more about Phil. So tell us a bit about, about your past, like what you've done, where you came from. Yeah, so I grew up in Ottawa, um, born in uh, Gloucester and yeah. uh, started... Is it Gloucester or Gloucester? What's it? Is it properly? Uh, well, I'm French Canadian, so I say it quicker. Glo you know? Glo Gloucester. Gloucester, but I think it's Gloucester. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so okay. that's kind of where I grew up and then family moved to kind of the... the, the East End Orleans yeah. a little later on, so yeah. a little bit more French-Canadian uh, part of the, the roots over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously me and you have a big restaurant background and started working in restaurants at a very young age, 18 years old. Eastside Mario's uh, was my first restaurant that job. That was your first restaurant job. That was my first. East Sides. Yeah, bada boom, bada bang. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, great experience, obviously, a big franchise, really good place to learn how to serve, obviously. Yeah. Free bread, free soup, free salad, free refills. Amazing. Birthdays, left, right, and center. I mean, it, it's <laughs> you the were worst. In the shit. You were in the shit. Yeah, but you learn a lot. You yeah. learn how to t handle a lot of volume, a lot of tables yeah. at, uh, at a young age, right? So it kind of paved the pathway for bigger and better things in the restaurant industry. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's important for anyone who has worked in the restaurant industry um, or for anyone who hasn't. I mean... This will be new for those of you who haven't, and this will be old news for those of us who have. Um, if you get an opportunity to work at a big chain or a big franchise, generally speaking, the training is so fucking good. It really is. They have a set program, and the, this is the way that things are done. This is the where things go. There's no guesswork. So you get this extremely strong foundation, like you said, Absolutely. of fundamentals and ability to handle volume, um, proper work ethic, and even uniform cleanliness, like this shit, this shit gets burned into your brain when you work at these big franchises. So it's good. It, it's, it's really is good, especially when you're starting out in the industry. To starting work out is like key that. to go yeah, to a yeah. franchise. And not just that, they're consistent, right? So you're busy. So you're making money. You're not making, you know, fine dining, you know, bar style, you know, yeah. money, but it's still consistent enough to keep you motivated exactly. keep working and learning. So yeah, so that's kind of all start. That's how my restaurant experience started. Um, back in East Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, made a lot of good friends to this day. I still talk to a lot of people from that restaurant and just kind of graduated kind of from that. Right? Moving up, moving up to various, you know, various venues, various locations and positions. The thing that always struck me as odd is that we only met really when we opened Ace. Yeah, that's and, the first time we met. Which is weird because we've both been in, in the restaurant business in Ottawa for fucking years. 
So the fact that we never crossed paths. It was strange. was really, 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 really weird. But so Phil and I, we opened up with obviously with many other gears in the machine. We opened up a restaurant in downtown Ottawa called Ace Mercado. And we're going to tell you guys all about that. This restaurant, if you're from Ottawa and you, you, you partied in the last fucking 10 years, you know what Ace was and you know the fucking crazy shit show that this place was. So we're going to tell you all about our restaurant experience together and where we came from. But the, the first thing I want to talk to you about with Phil is that we've only known each other for a few years, but who we were five, six years ago versus who we are now we're two very, very different people. Um, Phil is a, a very successful up and coming um, entrepreneur. Thank you. Thank you very moving much forward that. with a product that is literally world changing. And um, he was working with another friend of mine, Kat Plouffe and uh, Leah Lauren, a few people that I know and I'm very proud of them all. So both of us having restaurant backgrounds and him becoming an entrepreneur and following a passion and having this work ethic and this pride and something he's passionate about. And then myself moving on to acting and, and all that kind of stuff and producing this podcast and doing other creative artistic avenues, working in a restaurant really set that foundation for it really did giving you that structure. And I think really when you work for someone long enough and you realize like, I don't want to be at the bottom of the food chain anymore, I have to stand out. I have to do something different. That's and how it, it takes, all that's, that's how it all started for both of us in terms of different goals. Like same kind of path, but different goals. So tell me and tell the audience, as an entrepreneur, like what, what was the spark? What was it? How did you know? I mean, you never knew that you were going to end up here with this product that you're mm. going to talk about. But how did you know that like this is, I, I want to do something for myself. I want to create yeah, I, it, you know what, that's a great question and it's something that I think about all the time and it really all started from just my experience as being a server, you know, being in Ottawa, serving for multiple, working at multiple venues and I would just get a lot of positive feedback on what I was doing, you know, customer service was my number one priority at all times, you know, and uh, I just became, you know, a pretty known waiter around the city as like very good at what I did. And I just started to realize that I could do this myself, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of where I started to have the dream and vision of, I want to open up a restaurant, yeah. you know? I'm working in these restaurants. I'm making, you know, these other entrepreneurs and businessmen a lot of money. Yeah. And what is stopping me from doing this? Yeah. So at a, you know, in my early thirties, I started to really take the, take on that, that vision, that energy, that dream. And I just literally worked at that goal for you know four or five years to create a restaurant and I did it. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't come easy, obviously, and uh, I met a lot of great people along, along the way that helped me achieve that, that goal. But uh, that was when I really started to realize that I could do this myself. Mm -hmm. And it was just from me working as a waiter and just hearing other restaurateurs saying, you know, you're one of the best waiters like, I've ever really seen. You're really good. Why don't you open up your own spot? Yeah, you exactly. hear that a few times. And you're like, you're wow. like You start to like, why the fuck don't I open up a new spot? And so often, it's your own fucking self holding it back. You're finding excuses. People love to find excuses. It's like, oh, well, I don't have enough money. Or like, I don't really feel like it right now. It's going to be too much work. Or I don't, you know, I can't find a venue. Or it's, 
Are you actually looking for the venue? Are you trying to meet these people? Are you willing to put in the hours? And no matter what your, once again, what your goal or your dream is, but whether you as an entrepreneur and a business owner or myself as an actor, unless you're willing to put the work in, it's all about it's, that it's work. All the fucking, it's just a fucking dream. It's just a dream if you're not willing to put the fucking work in. And you can attest this, I can attest this, anyone out there who has any degree of success can attest to the fact that it doesn't fucking come overnight. Like, you've got to work for it. No, like, if, if I skip a week or a few weeks of the podcast because I'm not feeling it, or it's just because, like, eh, it's not my thing. It's just like, okay, that's the same thing as you taking a few weeks off of meetings from your business it's like how do you fucking think that's going to work like is it going to help your dream is it going to benefit Absolutely you in any not. fucking way no you got to stick to it eat shit for a couple years yeah. so you can get those reps in you know, like you got to put the time in you got to get those reps in yeah. and that's how it all started so i had a i always had a specific location in mind that mm -hmm. i was like you know what there was this old restaurant that was there for a very long time and i just every day going to work i would walk by this restaurant and i would tell myself i'm going to own this restaurant one day and i did that probably for a good eight to you know five to eight years That's every day fucking wild yeah and that was the that was the, yeah that, that was, was it. it it was what was it it was called mangia mangia it was and it was there forever place. yeah and forever I and i used to sit there yeah. sometimes just go right in front and literally meditate manifest that i would own this restaurant yeah and when i really flicked that switch that i, I knew i was going all in I uh, I just knew I proposed it. I think this is the right you know location for this concept, and it actually worked. Yeah. But uh, obviously there was a lot of work that went behind the scenes in order to get there. But well, yeah, that's and that's the shit that people don't see. It's that whole everyone's seen the poster or the meme of like the iceberg of success, and it's like everything above the water is success, and everything below is hard work, failure, rejection. And it's, it's literally what it is. Late hours, lack of sleep. And I mean it's. It's funny because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it was... Uh, so, it, what was so, what, so then what was the vision for Ace? So like, I mean, you had your vision. You said, I'm going to own this restaurant. This is going to be mine. You got the green light. Your cards were all in line. Yeah. You met the right people. You made those connections. You yeah. invested your time and money. So how did the vision of Ace come about? Because I know you were a huge part of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a melting pot of people that had, you know different ideologies on what the con the right concept should be. Yeah. And that was something that I learned real, uh, uh, real quick was that you need someone to kind of take full direction, no matter how many ideas you have, multiple people, multiple partners have a different idea on what the concept should be. Yeah. You need one leader to say, we're going to take all these ideas and you need to trust us. And that's how, like I, we found the right designer and you know, the, the right, architect designer to really put that together mm -hmm. you know Kale Pondrack I mean Pondrack <laughs> shout out for you Pondrack you yeah. get the tag yeah she uh, she nailed it uh, yeah. and she really took the reins. she really did that place yeah. was fucking sick that was a yeah. gorgeous fucking restaurant and, uh, you know, on the wall Ugh. yeah it was you know it's all because of her right yeah. all our ideas uh, we had you know all our travels all over the world everybody's been to you know so many concepts we've seen across the years of our travels we want to do this. We want to do that. No, let's do this. You know, and you need someone to really take the leadership on it and come up with the mood boards and the vision, the designs, and also execute it in, yeah. in the space you have, right? But uh, that's how it all really came together. It was a melting pot of ideas and just you know trusting the the designer's process on what the end result would be. Yeah. And it was. Uh, 
So why did you guys decide to go? So for those of you who don't know, it was, it was, it was Mexican. Yeah, it was Mexican with a little bit of Spanish infusion yeah. a bit because uh, of our chef. Rene Rodriguez. You know, yeah. he's Spanish and also Mexican. So yeah. we had a collaboration. Was it because, once again, as entrepreneurs and as business owners, were you taking a look at how restaurants were doing and what restaurants were doing well? Was Mexican chosen because that was a true passion of all your food tastes, personal tastes? Was it something that the public was lacking in downtown Ottawa? Like, how did... Mm, why yeah. did it become Mexican? Well, it was all about Renee's menu, right? Okay. So when we approached Renee Rodriguez, who won Top Chef Canada, yeah. um, you know, he was obviously at the pinnacle of his career. And yeah. we just there was two young entrepreneurs who approached him and be like, "Hey, we're opening up this spot. You know, we'd love for to work with you." You know, and he was like, "I got a menu that's already set in stone. It's perfect for this kind of concept: Mexican tacos, yeah. tequila." You know, uh, and then. Another partner of ours who had, you know, a lot of experience in the more nightlife aspects of things was very adamant that, you know, in order to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need to have late night. Yeah. You know? And it that, gives it that edge. Exactly. It gives that edge. It's that sex appeal, the, the allure. It's like, it's interesting. And I mean, the, that partner was totally right just because it's great to have a spot you can go to for a nice meal, a nice dinner. But what brings in like the money, like alcohol markup is insane. So if you're having a very strong bar program, Absolutely. like your margins in the kitchen can be a little more lax and you can push out some great, like some fantastic food at maybe a little bit of a lower price point than normal because your fucking alcohol sales are just crushing and you're pushing volume. Yeah. So you have, you know, nice food on the menu, but you also have your margarita nights and you've got your industry nights with cheap beer and cheap booze because the money you're making on the back end with the alcohol is fucking insane. And so, I mean, that's right. I mean, I, from my experience, I would agree with that. And uh, it worked. So you had an incredible food program mixed with the cocktail program, which was, in my opinion... It was, it was really... It was one of the first restaurants I worked at where... There were good cocktails coming out and they were able to be done fast. It was yeah. the first place I worked at where there was a batching program. Yeah. Which, for those of you who don't know what a batching program is, I'll give you a super quick crash course. Essentially, it is pre-made cocktails made in volume that you're able to Premium. Finish. Premium, yeah. Premium. Premium. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that you were able to execute and throw over the bar in instead of 45 seconds to a minute in 10, 15 seconds. Absolutely. Like, let's say for a Negroni, Negroni is gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth. You would have all those already mixed together into a bottle that's been aging or uh, infusing with something. And then literally you do pour two ounces into a mixing glass, stir it on ice, pour it over ice, and it's done. And it's delicious. And, and it's delicious. Delicious. And consistent. And the flavor is consistent. And you can have multiple <laughs> multiple cocktails and yeah. not have to wait 10, 15 minutes. Exactly, exactly. So that was a big add value to our program, which yeah. is the cocktail pre-batched cocktail program. Yeah. And then you throw in, you know, the DJ music late night, yeah. uh, and then mixed with a great chemistry of staff working together. That's yeah. We talked about that earlier. It was, um, it was a it star was, lineup. It was a, yeah, it was like the who's who of like the, some of the heavy bar stuff in Ottawa. And they were good. They were passionate about, you know, the service industry, the hospitality industry, people actually the servers that were at worked at this restaurant, we basically hand selected them all, mm -hmm. and each and every one of them were extremely passionate about what they did, and they gave exceptional customer service. Everyone, was, could, sell. Everyone could sell. Everybody could sell, and we were, you know, it's, 
it's easy to sell when you have good products yeah. too, right? So yeah. they were financially motivated because they were making money. So, mm. you know, the formula worked really well yeah. and it was fun. We had a lot of, lot of good times, a lot of laughs and, uh, a lot of good friendships were made out of that place. I mean, and we, and we learned a lot. I mean, it comes, it really comes full circle. Um, even talking about the, the entrepreneur that you are developing and evolving into today. And I mean, everything that you learn about ACE, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything yeah. you are able to apply to future projects and Absolutely. future passions. And I mean, you we're dreaming for having, dreaming of having a restaurant, this specific restaurant for, like you said, eight to 10 years. Yeah. I mean, and I worked on Clarence street yeah. for, I worked at Lux and Stella and all yeah. these restaurants, heart crown. But and my point is you finally attained that goal. You no. hit your pinnacle, your passion. And then you know what? I want something else. Yeah. Well, I just knew I could do it. Yeah. I, I realized my dream. Yeah. And you know, there was some, you know, we got some pretty big awards as well. You yeah. know, when you when your, your first restaurant gets nominated in top 20 new restaurants in Canada. It's, yeah, it was, it was, no, it was incredible. I mean, yeah. it's, my, my point is that it's amazing that, you know, everyone has this life goal or this life dream. Like they want to hit their pinnacle and you're one of the few that you're like, okay, hey, cool. This is my dream. And I have it. I have it. Now I want more. Yeah. I want, like, I want to be even better, not richer or more famous or whatever it is, but I want more for myself because I know I can fucking do it. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that I really learned during that process is I love building things. Yeah. The creational aspect of the entrepreneurship kind yeah. of Yeah. Well, yeah. From ground up, literally ground up. Ground Starting up from is nothing. my favorite. It's that journey that is just priceless and like a lot of entrepreneurs don't, you know, take that in consideration that it's the best part. You know, once you're up and running and your, your business is, you know, making, generating revenue, it's, yeah. it's not the same. It's, well, it's like a high. Yeah. It's like a high. It's that thrill. It's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, once it's, once it's controlled, it's not chaos anymore. And chaos is kind of half the fucking fun. But so, yeah, it really is. Yeah, like it's, we, <laughs> My we, kind of chaos. Yeah, exactly. So moving on to your next project and what you're working on now, everything that you took from operating a restaurant how did that help you? Well, first of all, tell us, like, like, it's so interesting. Why don't you tell us about the product that you're now involved with? And this has, by the way, been like, what, a five-year project? It's been five years. It's going to be five years in March. Okay, so tell us about it. Yeah, so for those who uh, don't know, I'm uh, chief operating officer of a company called Only. Mm -hmm. And uh, me and uh, Catherine Pluff, who is a friend of Johnny's and the team, she worked at she, Ace. She worked at Ace. Yeah. She worked at Ace. Yeah. She was the first person that I ever hired on my own. It's fucking incredible. So she walked in one day on a Sunday having dinner with her boyfriend and it was packed and there was no staff. And she looked at me and she said, you need help. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I can start Tuesday. And I'm like, and you never told me this. Yeah. Like that's, I met her. That, at, that was her opening. That was her opening. And I'm like, yeah, you speak French. She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's go for coffee to Monday. We met yeah. at Richard on Monday. She basically, I was so tired cause I worked, you know, seven days a week. Yeah. I remember the opening. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, she basically just took over the, the, the interview and she said, Phil, I want to pay my student loans in, in a year. And I'm like, okay, I can make that happen. Mm -hmm. So we developed a really, really good working relationship. She yeah. was probably one of the best servers at the restaurant. Became I agree, 100%. 100%. She was also managing and like I could trust her more than anybody else there. So mm -hmm. we developed a really good restaurant. And at one point, she came up to me with an idea. And her idea was, Phil, I want organic tampons delivered to my door. And I said to her downstairs, I said, that doesn't exist. And she goes, no, not in Canada. 
And then that's when I started to say, you know my background, because for those who don't know, my, I worked in pharmaceutical. You sold, yeah, you sold yeah, medical, medical devices. Supplies, and and medical devices, yeah. Yeah, so I did that before the restaurant. You'd have to go and sell an MRI to a fucking <laughs> hospital. If you can sell an MRI to a hospital, you can probably sell some fucking tampons. Yeah, so it was just a perfect fit, because I, I knew a lot about the regulatory, I knew all the gynecologists, you know, it was, it was a good kind of like, you know, let's, uh, and things weren't really going well at the restaurant at that time. So I wasn't really happy and I was working. The honeymoon was over. The honeymoon was over and I just knew that uh, I needed to kind of start looking at plan B because I had, you know, doubts on my future at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So me and her kind of, you know, with other people obviously involved, we uh, decided to go all in in this venture and we ended up getting uh, the distribution rights to the third. There's only three organic tampon manufacturers in the world, believe this or not. Okay. In the entire world? Certified tampon organic manufacturers, there's only three on earth. This just seems so fucking low. Yeah. There's a lot of garbage organic manufacturers that are not certified. Yeah, of course. In real talk, there's only three. And the two of them, the other two were already here in Canada. So when we started to research, you know, how are we going to put this business idea into, you know, into concept and, you know, is this going to really work? We discovered this organic tampon manufacturer out of Spain. Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, I actually lived in Spain for two years as well. And um, it was where I lived in Spain and where the manufacturing facility is, was actually 45 minutes away from each other. No idea this place ever existed. Okay? And you were there for two years. And I was there for two years. So when we ended up discovering this manufacturer, I knew instantly that we were going to have a partnership with them. Mm-hmm. And we were right. We ended up getting the distribution rights for Canada. Um, so we basically raised a ton of capital. We created a brand. We obviously did the whole entrepreneurship journey. And uh, we are about to launch probably in the next couple months. We're also launching with a reusable tampon applicator, which is a game-changing device. Yeah, we talked about that at, we talked about that at lunch. That just like, for me, as like, I, I don't, I'm a fucking dumb guy. I, don't, I know nothing about having a vagina because I don't own one and I know nothing about tampon business because I'm not in the fucking tampon business. So for me, like a reusable applicator would just be like, like, that makes sense. But like, it's just, it's, it wasn't a thing before. No. So there's only another, there's only one other company on, in the world that sells a reusable tampon. So now you're one of, are you the fourth or you're one of three so, for the organic certified? So yeah. So the reusable applicator is not an organic, it's just a device. But I'm right? just saying, so, but right now you'll be the fourth or you'll be one of three certified organic. We're going to be the third organic. Okay. So you're the third in the world and you're the, you'll be the second for the reusable applicator. Correct. Yeah. So, so we have the distribution rights for Canada, right? So we're going to be launching with this reusable applicator across Canada. That's huge. It's massive. Yeah. And it's, the way the future is going, man. Like, I mean, like, we need we to need, start. We need to start focusing on organic and the environment, yeah. eliminating plastics oh and single use. And yeah. like, we just, now more than ever, with everything that's going on, yeah. I think that we need to start paying attention more than ever yeah. on environmental issues in in your everyday kind of in your bathroom, in your fridge, in your living room. Like, yeah. we need to start paying attention to what yeah. we consume. It's not just you know using paper bags at the grocery store. Like, we got to work a little bit fucking harder. We all, I mean, no one out there is perfect. I Absolutely. fucked up. I. I'm guilty of doing shit all the time, but at least if you're making a conscious effort, like I do have a actual water bottle that I use instead of buying fucking plastic bottles yeah, of course. everywhere. And good for small you. shit like that. You know what? You don't have to be, you know, the small shit changes the world. But anyway, so the, that's huge. Like, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, so we're, we're super excited and it's been a long journey. Like I said, like not five like, years, five years, 
like five years. And you hear that, everyone? It's not like it's not like okay, I have an idea. Okay, cool. Let's get it made and sell it. Okay, cool. We're gonna be rich in two months. No, things like, take time. Good things fuck, take time, man. right? And uh, yeah, and it's also that was it's been it was just as much of an incredible journey as was creating a restaurant, right? And that's what I love about entrepreneurship. It gives you that freedom, that creativity. I learn. It's that's what I love. Entrepreneurship is like forever education, right? Well, as I say, it sounds like school that you actually love. It is because you're learning multiple. The, yeah, and that be stuff you actually want to learn. These are things that are and not you have just, to learn. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> if you want to be successful, yeah, yeah obviously. But yeah, so it's just uh, it's overall it's just been an incredible journey where I was in the restaurant industry times from where I am now, and same with you, right? Like, I mean, I've watched the process and your your transformation since ace to now is super inspiring and that was like what's that's like six years and you know look at you how many auditions you were just on the boys yeah that like was, come on that was that's, a lot of fucking that's fun. pretty impressive that's the probably the hottest show on earth right now it's yeah i agree it's that's just fucking fantastic. pretty serious that was a lot was a lot of fun to work on and i mean we can both agree that yeah it's not it's not something that happens overnight like i had to at one point and it was it was at the end of my my time at Ace was when I was going to Dubai because I wanted to make money because I wanted to come back and move to Toronto because I wanted to take a stab at this acting thing. And it's just, unless you're willing to fucking do it and put the work in, it's just not going to fucking happen. Like, it's great. One no one's going to do it for you. One out of a hundred million people might be that lucky person that gets, you know, either wins the lottery or gets pulled off the street. Like, I want you to be the next Leonardo DiCaprio, but Jesus fucking Christ, consistency beats everything. Like, you got to work, you got to have that work ethic. Put those reps in. But yeah, but put the reps in. Fucking flex that muscle. But yeah, all I gotta say is that I'm really, really proud of you, man. Because I, uh, I know that you have been putting in the work, and you know, obviously from all your commercials and you know your your cameos and your your series, like it's pretty impressive. And I'm sure it's been really challenging at some times. And you probably are learning a shit ton. Every time I'm on set, just like you, every time you're at a meeting or you're you're going to the factory and you're scouting production, all yeah. that kind of shit. I'm a sponge. Something. That's the way you have to be. Yeah. And every time I'm on fucking set, like I'm absorbing so much information and so much experience and so much knowledge because I'm listening and I'm learning and I'm focusing. And at the end of the fucking day, I want to be there. Yeah. Just like you want to be, like, this is your baby. This is your business. Yeah, Why would you not want to be present? Like yeah. you want to be present. It's your fucking jam. Like this mm -hmm. is your future. And this is, it. this is everything. There's no plan B for me. Like this is it. Eat shit for a couple years, so you can eat caviar for a couple decades, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> I like it. The way you got, that's the way you got to fucking think. But that was. Thank you so much for talking about your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say in like you know ten minutes, yeah. but I mean, like it's it's kind of a nutshell of you know the process, right? That well, that's the, like we can agree on that's it's it's the consistency, the dedication to your vision, no matter what your vision is. It was you know my dream is to have a restaurant, like that's my jam, that's what I have. You worked, you worked your motherfucking ass off. There was the highs, the lows, the everything in between. You got it, you had it, and then you were just like, I have this, I want something, not even something more, but something different. And I also want to do better too, yeah. right? Like uh, we were just talking about some of the, the environment issues that are going on right now. I think entrepreneurs and businesses in 2020 really need to start doing things better. Ethics, they have to focus on business ethics. A hundred percent. They need to be, they need to have a purpose and start doing more because, you know, people, businesses are under the microscope now. 
and people are watching and paying a lot more attention to what their corporate responsibilities are. Yeah, how they're well, how they're treating their employees, how they're treating other the businesses, the way they know? treat their customers, the environment. It's not just business ethics; it's ethics in fucking general. It's, be a better person. Be better. Like yeah, everyone fucks up, things be better, a better man. person. And uh, it's really, really important. And hopefully, a lot more people start doing the right thing. And I think it's happening. I think a lot of more you know, consumers and businesses are really starting to pay attention. And there's no planet B, you know what I mean? Like we know that we're yeah, there's in trouble. No, there's no plan B because there's no planet B. Like we <laughs> yeah. don't have one yet. We ain't in Mars yet, fuck. But um, it's just, it, it's, it was good to talk to an entrepreneur. So when we, uh, we talked a little bit about Ace. When we come back from the break, we're going we're gonna to dive into the, the history, the deeper. The stories. Yeah, the stories from Ace Mercado. So uh, come back and check us out in a minute, guys. We're back <laughs> from the break. Live in the flesh. I am here with Phil. And now, what a lot of you have been waiting for, we are going to talk about some of the fucked up shit and crazy stories from the one and only Ace Mercado. Yeah, some of the stories that we've witnessed. Um, probably. Some of the stuff that we did, some of the stuff that we saw. If you've worked in a restaurant, chances are you've seen and or done some shit. Like, it's just part of the business. A lot of fucked up things go on behind the scenes. A lot of stuff that, unless you've worked in a restaurant, you just have no idea even exists. Absolutely. And and the general public has no, no idea. idea. No, <laughs> no idea. Oh my god! Like, yeah. I mean, it's not even necessarily to say that everything's like fucking weird or gross or disgusting. There's just a lot of shit that every restaurant has their their. Unique foibles and quirks and kinks. I mean, we're just talking about. Well said. You know, you put twenty to thirty-five year olds in a high volume testosterone and beautiful estrogen and sexually driven and stress, high paced alcohol. You know, it's uh, it's it's a it's a recipe for some uh, (laughs) some fucking stories as well as yeah, exactly. So let me ask you a question. Actually, Um, what was your first restaurant job? My first restaurant job was my grandpa's pub, our family pub. That's right. I think you did tell me this. Yeah. Okay, I forgot Channel about Annie's. that. Channel Annie's. It was called Annie's at that point. Okay, and that was in... Ottawa. Westboro. Westboro. Now it's the Baker Street Cafe. Okay, Ooh, that's Road. a cool little spot. Yeah, they do very, very well. Okay. Yeah, that's where it was. We so had you were slinging Guinness there out of very... I wasn't age. allowed. I wasn't oh, allowed. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't allowed to, to pour anything until I could pour a perfect Guinness. Okay. Des took it real seriously. Like, and I mean, like, I was, it was your classic family pub. Like, I was mopping floors, fucking frying up chicken wings. Oh, that's amazing. Make, I, like, you did everything. You weren't just a bartender. You were the bartender, the server, the cook, the cleaner, the fucking bouncer. Like, you the probably manager. learned a shit ton. What's that? You probably learned a lot. Oh my God. I learned, I learned more about how to run a restaurant and how not to run a restaurant in my family pub than, you know, most people do in fucking 15 years. I learned it in like, whatever two years that I was working there before they finally sold it but Adam yeah that was my first uh, that was my first bar bar job and that was really really fucked up but like to this day nothing will ever compare to Ace yeah I mean some of the stories that uh, well like, even like let's talk about remember like we had this we had this fucking hostess stand this oh, custom built that was the nicest hostess stand I've ever seen in my life to this day agreed, agreed. but it, it also just, what did it weigh it was at least 200 pounds oh, it was, it was heavy, like, legitimately at least 200 pounds 
and we had like, little tiny hostesses. <laughs> and I mean, we'd have to go out and bring it in or bring it in the end. Every night. Like, and it, was, it was that one job that no one wanted to fucking do because it weighed 200 pounds. It oh. was like, and it, Miracle, no, it never fell on anybody. Yeah, that was a custom piece welding company out of Arm Prior or something did it. It was absolutely stunning, but yeah, it was a fucking pain in the ass every night, every morning to put it in. Yeah. Thing rolled over my toes a million oh. times. And oh like, my yeah. God. Just little things like that in a, in a high volume restaurant. Right? To the people that came in, to the reservations not showing up or half of them coming in. And so you have, yeah, you, you've, uh, that's one of your biggest pet peeves is yeah. the reservation. Process. I was handling pretty much all around the reservations and that was like restaurant etiquette is big for me and yeah. reservations especially are, I take very seriously. Yeah. And it's, so like, what's your, so give, give us a rundown then. So like. What are your what what do you what are the do's and don'ts of making a reservation? Now this is for everyone in the fucking general public. Pay attention to this shit. So what are the do's and don'ts of making a reservation at a restaurant? So before From you make a, a general manager, before you make a reservation, just really make sure that you have a proper handcount. Don't over don't overinflate the numbers, and then when you roll in, your you know let's say your party of twenty that you book on a Friday or Saturday night, and you sh you roll in with twelve people. Yeah, that is un fucking acceptable in my books, okay? They should be charged for the extra guests that did not show up. Yeah, like the right? other eight seats, so charge them for the other eight seats. You know, seats. we staff accordingly, right? So yeah. if we see the numbers, we'll bring on an extra server, <laughs> and like there's so much money that is wasted. We could have filled those seats. It's just poor etiquette, and it's disrespectful to the establishment that it's you're a visiting. Pain. It's a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah, and it just shows that the general public does not have appreciation for where they're going. But I get it. They don't understand what goes into a restaurant. Not a lot of people know this, but restaurant etiquette. People, you're making reservations. Make sure you're the right amount of guests going in. Okay. That's, uh, it's always been one. Another one, I think me and you have very similar views on this. Birthdays, balloons, and cakes. Cakes and fucking cakes. Yeah. Like, you know what? Don't bring in a Metro cake. <laughs> okay, like and ask the servers to cut it. Yeah, you know, if you're gonna bring in a cake, go out and get a nice cake where the people in the, 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 the restaurant staff will be happy to cut it because there's a skill at for work. a fee. For a fee, always. there should always be a cake cutting fee. 100%. I don't give a fuck if it's twenty bucks. There should be a cake cutting fee because my biggest issue with the whole birthday birthday cakes and the balloons and shit, and I I talked about this on Instagram, is. I'll say, like, at a restaurant, six times out of ten, but at a fucking nightclub or a lounge, nine times out of ten, people don't eat the fucking cake. It gets cut up and dispersed, and there's napkins, and there's plates, and there's cutlery, oh, we and were, no one fucking eats it. We were pretty much a goddamn nightclub Thursday, Friday, yeah, Saturday, no, so exactly. and it happened all the time. Exactly. And it was a pain in the ass. Now, mind you, the staff would always... Destroy it, oh, yeah. or we would make milkshakes out of it, yeah, regardless. Yeah, whatever. The point is, it's a pain in the ass. It's a fucking mess. Order desserts from the restaurant; it's usually a lot better. Yeah, I get it. Or do a birthday a slice of cake or a something prepared at the restaurant for just the birthday girl or birthday boy. If you're not gonna fucking like twenty people at this party at ten o'clock when they've had a few few fucking tequilas and they've had a dinner. And they might be having a little bit of a fucking dust up their nose. They're not gonna <laughs> want to fucking slice a cake at eleven thirty. Then you go, yeah, no, it's just fucking it's not proper etiquette. No, it's and the it's, fucking it's, balloons. <laughs> that for me is it. The balloons, just first of all, uh, super bad for the environment. You leave them there. You ask the fucking staff to take the, 
I would actually sometimes go and when they, when they, the guests were leaving, I would take the balloons and follow them out. They'd be like, oh, no, 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 we're not taking, we're going somewhere else. So I'd be like, oh, I really? You brought them here, so you're fucking taking <laughs> We'll take care of that for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are some of the, the, the pros and cons about the biz, right? I mean, the general public doesn't really know what goes on. Whatever it is, it's, I mean, you can say whatever, like, it'd be the same thing as if you, you walk into a mechanic shop. And you know you're starting to ask <laughs> stupid questions like, "Oh, what's that?" It's like that's the fucking fuel injector. Like, "Oh, fake cool, fuck's sake!" You sound like an idiot. So I mean, most of the general public who have never worked in a restaurant, they don't know. They just don't know any better. They're yeah. ignorant. They don't understand. But the problem is, you know, it's a fucking restaurant. A lot of that shit is common sense. Like, it happened a lot at Ace, and it happens everywhere. But I noticed it happened a lot at Ace, and Ace had tons because we had fucking those roll-ups, and we had it was like tapas style. So like everything was shared, there was side plates and everything, is that when people walk and sit down at a table that's fucking dirty. That is another note. Now <laughs> you can't do that. Well anymore. no, you can't do now that. It's now it's like a fucking big time. Well no one would just no one would even think twice. No one would look at like there's a glass no and someone's been there. No no no. But that's always something that people have done. I don't think that's I don't understand. I don't understand. I know. I don't understand it. Like it's why or it's the same thing as if you were to walk up when you could walk up to the bar and there's like a half beer sitting on a coaster with a jacket on the back of the bar stool and someone sits down and is like, no one's sitting here, right? I'm like, are you fucking well? Were you, I, in a, like, were you in a car accident, like a pretty bad one when you were younger? Like, does your fucking brain not operate? Oh, man. That shit drives me. That happened at Ace. It happens at every restaurant, but it always happened at fucking... I just want an excuse to bitch about that. Fuck yeah, no, I get it. And, uh, yeah, there's other things, too. I mean, obviously, like, we would hop on the bar lot. We would have to work and just kind of, like, the whole running tab things. You know what I mean? Like, you know, paying as you, one time, you know, you're ordering two vodka yeah, sodas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just keep coming back and it's like, there's little things that, you know, the general public can do to heighten their experience if they would just trust the bartender. You and know, heighten? Like, is that a word? Heighten. Heighten. We'll fact check that one. But um, also, so no, I know what you mean. And I mean, that's, <laughs> that goes way back. I mean, it's funny that you said bar etiquette because that was the first, that was the title of, of the first episode. And that's all this, it's all this same and even shit. your old podcast, which was... Uh, oh yeah, ca- Angry Cash Outs. Angry Cash Outs. That lasted, that lasted six weeks. That was pretty funny, plug man. got pulled on it. Yeah, that was, uh, <clears throat> that, that was, was a gem. But the whole thing with Ace is like, you know, we're talking about like the unique things, like the foibles and then the shit that the public doesn't see. So Ace Mercado, like we said, was a Mexican restaurant with Spanish in Spanish fusion. Yeah. Okay. So regardless, there's gonna be a lot of margaritas going out. And we <laughs> You think we, <laughs> we So we had a ton we had like the most tequila in downtown Ottawa, the most variety in Yeah, downtown we had Ottawa. like over a hundred bottles of tequila. Yeah, like like second for, in Canada. For Ottawa, for Ottawa, I don't, I don't know about that, but for Ottawa, that's fucking huge. Yeah. For Ottawa, that's it was huge. a great list. There were some incredible gems there. So a lot of fucking margaritas went out. And we didn't order like like shitty fake lime juice. Pre-made lime juice. Yeah, like we didn't even get cold press. Like the bars that I work at now use cold press because the technology's better. It's essentially fresh lime juice. It's just whatever. It's great. It's fantastic. I've heard about it and it's amazing. Wish we'd have had that. Yeah, (laughs) thank God. But we had... We had to hand press. We had to hand juice. Yeah. We had a juicer, like a machine. It looked like it, you know, you this thing in the middle would spin, and then you push. Commercial juicer. Yeah, just, commercial juicer. Exactly. Like we'd burn the motors out on them. It was. We just we basically had busboys being there all night. 
just all night juicing limes. Like we had flex, God love them, flex. The like harvest I do, must boy, I, I can do you. an entire I you know what I will do an entire episode on Flex one day just because he is this character is just this this one of the most unique human, human beings being. yeah, on earth. That's the best way. You most unique human being you'll ever fucking meet. He's an incredible human being. He's amazing. He was our bar back, our bus boy for a while. And literally there'd be nights where his, his hands he, would melt. His, his hands. So there's something called Lyme si- derma- dermatitis or yeah, citrus, citrus dermatitis. dermatitis. Yeah. It's a real thing. And it's when you have been handling citrus, citrus juice or citrus for an extended period of time too often the fucking skin on your hands melts off. Yeah, and your nails start getting a lot like, softer and they're and more yellow, susceptible to coming off. Yeah. And like, it's a real it's thing. It's a real thing. And, and it's painful. Poor Flex. Like, this happened. He had to wear gloves to All fucking juice, like, and, and to do anything because his yeah. hands were falling apart. And he never complained. No. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fine. Like, whatever. It's like, you're, you might have, like, like, acid hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're about to lose a finger. Like, yeah, that's good. I'll walk it off. That's just show you how much volume we did there. Oh, and we, man. We, we took pride in creating the best cocktail program. Everything was fresh. And we did it at any cost, you know? And uh, Yeah. Cost of our sanity, bro. <laughs> but bro. also the people that came in. We had some incredible nice. people visit the establishment and some stories that I'll never forget. I mean, it, yeah, I remember one night, so like some of the Sens were in there. Like Daniel Alfredson was fucking hammered. Like, hammer these guys would come in. Like these guys are pro athletes, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening have served some pro athletes. Yeah, especially but, in the restaurant business, you've served probably at least one famous or quasi famous person. Hockey players can crush. Pints yeah. like I've never seen. Yeah. So that was pretty inspiring to see that like a <laughs> big, big, I thick Swedish boy crushing IPAs, you know, at seven percent. Um, yeah, I mean a lot of this, you know, the hockey players came in, you know, people would. Well, it was the hot spot. Everyone who was everyone in Ottawa went to Ace. Yeah, like that was like that was when we were at our fucking high times, and it was like. We had like the best fucking the DJs on the best nights. Yeah, the and music we had the was the hottest bar staff. Everyone that fucking everyone would party. Like you look around the room and you're just like everyone's fucking partying. Like everyone's having a great yeah. fucking time. Yeah, it, it was, was so it was dark. Sad. It was raw. The music it was, was good. It was, it was a sexy vibe. One thousand percent. A lot of people come up to me to this day and you know wish it was still around. Regardless, it's not. It was uh, it was a great chapter. Never looked back. One of my funniest restaurant stories of all time, actually, is uh, it happened at Ace. At Ace? Oh, is this the one that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, oh, this, and this, uh, is this is probably the we funniest We can get into story time now. Yeah. Um, uh, an old guest used to, an old regular used to come in a lot, and um, <laughs> he actually decided one night to uh, bring in an escort. What's the proper terminology? Right? Yeah. This is sex worker sex worker and uh, they were having some fun they were having some drinks and Saturday night 8.30 restaurant is completely packed uh, obviously both people were intoxicated yeah but this is 8.30 it's not midnight like, no, this I is know. still dinner this, this is, is like dinner. this is like the second sitting this is the second sitting yeah, we're like, just getting yeah. ramping up for 8.30 yeah. sittings and sure enough right in the middle of the dining room <laughs> our wonderful not gonna name names starts Sucking on a tit in the middle of the restaurant while having a cigarette lit. And I, 
I think the whole staff stopped for literally 30 seconds to watch what was happening. You couldn't believe it was happening. It was like, this Full isn't real. Full legs, tit in the mouth, while there's a cigarette lit, and we're just dying. And oh. I walked up to them and I'm like, can you put your shirt up, please? <laughs> and I think it's time for you guys to go. And I, I was dying so much and I just took care of their bill. Oh I just said, you oh. just made everybody's night here. Oh. Get a room. Oh. See you later. Oh. And that oh. is the craziest thing I've ever seen in a restaurant, not to mention yeah. my restaurant. Yeah. But High volume, busy restaurants, shit like that happens all the time, all over the world. It's uh, it's an incredible environment to work in. It's the weird, the weirdest shit. The weirdest shit happens at the fucking at the best fucking restaurants, man. Like, the weirdest shit happens at the best restaurants. Like, I remember there'd be nights where we'd literally because the bar was small like the actual bar like the the venue was a good size but the actual bar like you're i'm a big guy you're a big guy yeah. be nick nice. leverty was a big boy nick is a big boy marty was a big marty boy. was a real big boy <laughs> isaac is a tall tall enough guy like we'd have to bartend like back to back like i don't know how the back. fuck you guys did your friday saturday night selling eight to ten grand like you guys were so like in sync it was really incredible. That was the guys. fucking. That was yeah. That was when like that was like the pinnacle, and yeah, that yeah. but that goes back to having staff who have good chemistry, right? It like, was really whether impressive it was me and see. Isaac or me and Nick or me and Marty or Isaac and Nick or whoever whoever was around. It was like a dance. It was well. That's the way you had to do it because it was, literally you were bartending back to back. Like yeah. it was a small bar and there was. Two wells, and we had service to worry about. You used as well. to yell, "Fuck!" Yeah, oh, fuck. That's <laughs> <laughs> that I saw a chip come up that I didn't like. Fuck! <laughs> Seven o'clock, middle of dinner, people at oh, my bar. Man. It's, like, oh, it's just Johnny. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and I gotta say, you are probably the funniest bartender that I've ever come across in my life Energy. to this day. Your bartending skills are hands down second to none. Give I me think. Show. You do give them a show, and uh, you would put a lot of smiles on people's faces. Smiles and a lot of people came to see you every goddamn night. It was yeah. wild. Give them a show, man. And it's yeah. just like, Ace was also one of those places where it's just like, it was a place where you could be, I mean, there was a limit, there was a limitation to everything, but you could be yourself. Like, yeah. everyone was supposed to be kind of edgy and different and cool. It wasn't like, would you get even There was no like, like really big set rules, you know? We, we saw the creativity and obviously like everybody was making money and yeah. people were loving it, man. Fuck. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you were, uh, that's, I think that's why you're such a good actor because I think the way you bartended, you know, represents a lot of your acting skills, right? Like well, it's, that's, yeah. it's, that's uh, the, it's, it was definitely myself. I was definitely myself being unapolog unapologetically myself at the time, but it was a good fucking time. I remember, um, how fucking, uh, how fucking hot that kitchen would get in the summertime. Oh. The boys pumping out fucking tacos and just... Man, these people were... You know, another thing too that was cool about the restaurant, we were talking about this earlier, is that there was no egos between front of the house and back Yes, of the house. thank you for bringing that back up. That this was one of the only... so big. It's just, so big. It's just so rare. So rare. There was no egos from front to back. Everybody was like almost like a family. Yeah. We would all hang out together. It didn't matter if you were a line cook or prep or, you know, sous chef or bartender or waiter. It was... Uh, 
it was really nice to see because yeah. I've worked in restaurants since then. For, and before then, for years. And years. it is like, you know. Yeah, there's a fucking divide. It's front of the house versus back of the house. Yeah. Like the front of the house is like fucking kitchen. The back of the house is like fucking servers yeah. and fucking bar. <laughs> Everywhere. But like, no, Ace was like legit. Like we all hung out together. Yeah. And they like, didn't care. There was no ego. No, there. man. It was fucking great. We'd all party together. Like, it was like. Oh, man, though, yeah, like whether you were fucking line cook all the way up to yourself, GM, like yeah. didn't everyone, matter. Didn't fucking matter. Everyone hung out. Everyone was cool. Like that's so fucking rare. Yeah. Like, and that's why I think a lot of I, I, you know, give a lot of success to that restaurant is because of that. You know, like everybody worked together. Yeah, that was a big part. When it was when it was hot, when everything was good, like the golden age of Ace, like it was an unstoppable machine. Yeah, like it was just everyone wanted to be there. Everyone wanted to work there. Like everyone wanted to party there. It was like we like that's where everyone wanted to. Fuck. And it took a long time to get there. I mean, you know, you remember when we opened up day one, the way the, the restaurant looked like. It was a first... fucking disaster day one, dude. And that's the whole I thing. I think my right? parents showed up uh, like the first <laughs> week, and they were like, "Well, we're not coming back." I was just like, "Fuck." Yeah, it was. Uh, but you know, things take time. Yeah. Whether it's a restaurant or a business or, or your next journey or whatever it is, things take time. And yeah. you know, we put those reps in, and we worked every day. We worked at it. And man, you you went to war with me, man. I remember me and you closing five, six times a week, and we just learned. You get out of there like four, five, six in the morning every night. Oh. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. We didn't know where to put this. We didn't know how to close the place on the phone. POS till four in the fucking morning. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. Uh, but hey, you know what? Look at us now, man. I remember, like, yeah, look at us now. We're a lot, you know fucking we're, we're who we are because of places like that and experiences like that but I remember some of the best nights were um, we'd finish and then we'd sit in the kitchen prop the door open have a smoke and sit with a couple of Modellos and just and have some guac have oh, oh and I used to write oh, yeah, I used yeah, to write the chef yeah. a, a little note today <laughs> me and Johnny took a fucking took container a, of took guac. a liter of guac yeah <laughs> with the Valentinas and the oh, chips oh man but just like whether it was me and you or whoever was closing, like a couple people would hang around, and like we just have a couple. Well, of we darts. also started at four o'clock, went yeah. straight through. Probably had two long tacos the whole night. You know, worked till four o'clock in the morning, and there's nothing better than that after work beer. After, that, after, after work fucking beer, anyone will agree to that. Whether it's a, whatever, you could be your glass of wine, but that after work server drink. After work, when you've crushed a 12-hour straight, there yeah. is nothing better. That's the best. That's the, that's the, those are the best-tasting beers I've ever had. Yeah. Like a fucking ice-cold, like Modelo Especial. Uh, or a Tecate. Tecate yeah, with, the like, lime, oh, yeah, with the lime the dipped in the black sauce. I fucking love. My yellow's great, but I fucking love a fucking, like, a fuck-you-cold Tecate. Oh, <laughs> man, so fucking good. Yeah, so the... The experiences, the journey, you know, you gotta well, embrace those. Like I worked, I fucking, it's always weird. Like that was one of those places I worked with my girlfriend. Like I, I, I ended up dating, I ended up sleeping with, and then dating a girl that worked there. And that's, that's something else that <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do at restaurants. I think every, just about every restaurant or nightclub I've worked at, I've had an encounter with. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, uh, you're a machine at the restaurant. That's subject. Subject. I, I took it on. Uh, I was definitely very active. Well, you were definitely working. I was, hey, definitely, hey, I was definitely very active. You're surrounded by fucking hormones. Like, it's they're flying and then they add alcohol, fucking fan the flames, and everyone's hot and horny and whatever. A lot of people will fuck people at their work. 
or people they work with. It's where you know, you're always together, right? You're working five, yeah. six days a week. Everybody's together. You're yeah. hanging out after work together. You're going to social events. It's just, yeah. it's, it's natural. It's like that at all the good lives and all the big chains, whether it's a restaurant or not. It's, it's very yeah, yeah. You're around people that much. There's going to be inter, inter yeah. office minglings, if you will. There's going to be all that kind of shit. You, uh, we talked about this earlier. You remember the morning, I think it was a fucking Saturday morning breakfast television, but we had closed the night before too. That's another thing we didn't take into account. Like we got out of there because Nick and I and you had closed. So we left. It was either the Saturday or whatever it was. But we closed. We got to work at 3 a.m. And we had to be back at 7. Back at East at 7 o'clock because we were going on fucking breakfast television for the Christmas spot. And then what did we show up? What did we walk into <laughs> and we showed back up at Ace? We got fucking... All of our windows were covered in eggs. Ketchup. Ketchup. Mustard. mustard mayonnaise. Like we got fucking attacked. Yeah, so that was the down. That was the the starting of the downfall, right? So that was the catalyst. That whole the reason for that whole happening was the catalyst for Ace Mercado. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Looking back, I mean, uh, you know, would we have done the Mellows thing? Obviously, people who are listening to my so yeah. So what for people who don't know, what is the Mellows thing? Well, what happened was is that we were the restaurant was attached to an old diner establishment that was there for ninety years. Okay, it was a staple in the city. Yes, it was. We used to go there all the time for breakfast. But the reality is, is that the landlord had approached us and said that they're not, he's not renewing their lease. So it was a fucking fact that whether we took it or not, eight metals was not going to reopen. Yeah. They we're not getting lease. Yeah. So we took it upon ourselves to say, okay, do we want a Starbucks or a pizza pizza beside us? Or, you know, we're busy every night. We're, you know, used every night. Packed. Every night at that point. Could we use the space? Absolutely. You know, and, you know, obviously there was a, you know, there's partners who decided to take on the space, and that's when it really started to downfall. We lost the community. It was a staple place in the city, didn't go too well, and that uh, that's why we got egged. And it was that, that was yeah, the, start, that, the tipping point. That whole thing definitely was, and I mean, like, it was bad after that. Like, it was su- it left such a sour taste. In people's mouth, like everyone heard a different version of the truth. It's it's at the end of the day, truth becomes gossip. Yeah. And but that was the, the ultimate truth. I, well, it was. It was like we lost the fucking community. Like we yeah. lost community. The community was like you guys fucking. As far as they were concerned, we killed Mellows. Yeah. Like Ace Mercado killed Mellows. That's that's what everyone really like. Like there was articles coming out about like it was it was really really, really bad. it was really 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 bad like the, the community ended up fucking oh, I was vilified man I was you were yeah you well, that picture they put a picture of you in the paper and it was one <laughs> it was the worst big, picture that anybody's ever taken of me oh, they always fucking do that uh, I know fucking media yeah but uh, yeah so we ended up going on breakfast television yeah, that morning at like seven o'clock in the morning, and I was—I've never been a big fan of those community engagement things for restaurant. I mean, who? But anyways, we ended up. Going it's just on. Live, live TV. Live TV is fucking tough. Yeah, live TV is tough, and that's the big thing. And because... no one watches it anymore, so it's dead in my books. Yeah. But hey, local television, keep going. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, that was kind of the downfall of the restaurant, man. It was taken on a spot that maybe we shouldn't have, but you know. Lesson learned, never look back. I apologize to everybody that I could have, you know, offended throughout that, uh, that transition, but, uh, yeah. It, it was, is uh, what it fucking is, man. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, it wasn't, like, there were, 
I think the big confusion was that people thought that there were decisions being made out of malice. And that's that's just not what the case was. Like And that's what you know, the general public will never That's what got that's what got that's the story that got spun. Yeah. It was like they wanted it like Ace killed Mellows. It's like, well no Mellows wasn't gonna survive. But that doesn't fucking sell newspapers. Or whatever the term you want to use, like no one gives a shit about it. Fuck <laughs> whatever, fuck <fine. laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. But, so, um, so yeah, that, so that was, uh, the, that was that really was the beginning of the end. So never lose a community, people. Yeah. Never lose a community, man. Yeah, never. Yeah, never have your community fucking turn on you because it, uh, it, it's real. real. <laughs> that was, and it cost a lot of people a lot of money. Yeah. So, anyways, lesson learned for sure. Yeah. So yeah, man. But uh, now, obviously, uh, on to you know bigger and better things. Obviously, restaurants have kind of put them behind me now, I've kind of retired. Yeah. And uh, obviously into something a little bit more scalable, a little bit more, I don't have to work, you know, seven days a week, you know, 14 hour days. My health and wellness is a little bit more important. A little, more, a little more prioritized. Prioritized. That's amazing. I mean, like like we said before, we both come a long way since uh, since Ace Mercado. And now that uh, you know, you're, you're your own boss, I'm becoming my own boss, doing what I can. And uh, it's that entrepreneurship freedom that yeah. is so rewarding. Yeah. And, and a lot more people are doing it and it's, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's Create really the life you want, you know, yeah. and uh, surround yourself with good people, spread love, work hard, put in those reps in. Be a, be a better person. Yeah. Be a better person. Well, I want to I wanna thank you so much, Phil, for being on today's episode. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I know you were nervous, but I think everyone will agree that you fucking killed it. Yeah, I was a little nervous, not gonna lie. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's my first time. I've been listening to podcasts forever, but actually being on one is a different experience, which is, uh, you know, you popped my cherry, man, so it's great. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, uh, well, I appreciate that. I'm honored, I'm flattered. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was it was good to catch up. I haven't been back home in Ottawa for like nine months, so it was it was it was good. Yeah, to it's great to have you in town, and I'm really looking forward home. to the swag being released, man. Yeah, uh, the, the I really like your branding, in. and uh, it's uh, it's pretty clever, man. I think you're really onto something. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun, and it's 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 gonna be hopefully very successful. I appreciate the support, and I'll have more information on that coming up real soon. It's just everything is finalized. You know what it is? Nothing is overnight. It takes time. Story of my life right now. And uh, yeah, fuck, well, you're five years anyway. But thank you so much again, Phil. And uh, I'd love to have you on again. Hey. Really appreciate it. Johnny, it's been a pleasure. Keep at it, man. Honestly, I'm really happy for you. And uh, yeah, you were a natural, man. So thanks for having me on. Peace out. Pe- peace and love, people. Thanks, and, guys. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. This was Chewing the Fat. And hope you all have a great day.